Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast that's still getting over the timeless children. I'm your host, Joey Morgan. Today I'm here yeah. with Connor, a.k.a. Genesis of Androzani. I'm about to get murdered by three very uh, <laughs> horrible men. <laughs> I'm also here with uh, Dylan, a.k.a. Lord Slar. I'm about to be one of the horrible men who murders Connor. As am I, and so is Zach Rosenfeld, our last guest. In- indeed. I'm going to retitle this one. Young Kiwi gets fucked by three classic elitists. Uh, <laughs> okay, Joey Shapiro. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. <laughs> Put it up on porn. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, so today we're talking about series two. We are including the Christmas Invasion, so we're going from Christmas Invasion up to Army of Ghosts Doomsday, covering counting, of course, two parters as one story. So Rise of the Cyber Age of Steel, Impossible Planet Satan Pit, and Army of Ghosts Doomsday. So eleven stories all together. Uh, of course, spoilers as always. So let's jump right into this with the Christmas Invasion by Russell the Davies. Who would like to begin? Oh, Connor? Uh, Connor, Connor, would you like to? <laughs> All right, if, if if none of you care, um, yes, no. The Christmas Invasion is a very, very, very fun story that I love. It's I think for me the biggest strengths are the villain, the Sycorax. I think the Sycorax are great, not only like costume design, but the the way they're characterized. It, it's very simple. It's a very simple idea in the sense that. You know, it's a world invasion. They speak a different language. You know, the the miscommunication between them is is why the humans and the Sycorax can't communicate. Um, it, it's essentially voodoo magic, but I think that works for this story. And then on top of that, uh, you've got the very impromptu um, storyline of a new doctor building up to them arriving which wasn't originally going to be in the script because obviously, you know, this was a meant to be a ninth doctor episode at first. Um, but then of course, Christopher Hagelson decided to leave. So they cast over <laughs> 10 in the decided role. to leave. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I got you know a, everybody story. knows he was assassinated I, I, by the BBC. Michael Grade <laughs> himself came in and replaced him with like a, a droid. Eaton Park needed him. No, Christopher Hagelson is now a reptile. But you know, they, um, we know now it's just an Arton. <laughs> Russell T had to write, rewrite the script with a new Doctor in it, and he chose to go down the route of not having the Doctor in most of the story, which is quite a ballsy move, I think. Um, which I think does lead some people to finding this episode to be a bit boring, I think, I've heard. However, for me, I, I think it's really well built up to, and I, for me, the last 20 minutes of this episode is pure bliss. I mean, if anyone's seen my channel... The Christmas Invasion was one of the most fun reactions we ever had. It's so ridiculous. Some, you know, 900-year-old guy in pyjamas who looked different the previous day standing outside a police box on a spaceship that looks like a coliseum with people with masks on having a sword fight on a balcony with a button on it that makes people fall over that he throws with a piece of fruit. You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but that's why I love it. You son of a Putting it into words is great. Ridiculous. I love that. That's, that's, yeah, amazing. that's so amazing. I'm going to strongly agree on two points there, though. Um, one of which, of course, I, I do agree. I think the lack of Doctor does still work. And because it was originally written, you know, as an Eccleston story, 
it doesn't let itself get too wrapped up in the fact that it's introducing a new doctor. I mean, that, I mean, when that comes about, it still really shines. But it, first and foremost, the Christmas invasion has a plot. And I always got to appreciate that. There's one thing that I hate more than anything in post-regeneration stories. It's just making it all about the new doctor and absolutely nothing else. And you don't have time to focus on anything else. There's no actual plot there. You're just like, who is this doctor? Let's establish their character. Let's force a a defining moment in their very first episode. I, I hate when they do that. And here it just flows naturally because there is a plot to tell right alongside introducing a new doctor. And when David Tennant does come around to, to having his first proper encounter with an alien by the end of the episode, he totally owns it. And I, and I adore his performance. And the yeah, other I thing think... I have to agree on there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just a brilliant, like um, happy accident that Russell T had to do a, surprise regeneration story and a surprise post-regeneration story so that meant that it didn't tamper with his original script so it didn't overpower them if that makes sense like that's why you know the regeneration in Battle of parting the ways and then also post-regeneration here doesn't overpower the story and make it like like you said all about a new doctor it actually it uses the fact that he has to rush it into a script to its advantage i feel yeah, definitely. And knowing it, you, it, who it would, it definitely would have been an overpowering, overbearing new Doctor story or regeneration story had it not just been an accident. Yeah, and in not that way, it's very happy. happy which is, it, which is and, why it's and, good. And I gotta yeah, wonder, happy like, accident for people like us. I, also, yeah, also I mean, like I gotta, I gotta wonder, like, what a what an actual like post regeneration story from Russell would have looked like because we never actually got that. Yeah, we never got to find out yeah. because. Because Rose had to introduce the entire show, so we didn't have the time to do that with the Ninth Doctor and with Christmas Invasion. He wasn't planning it to be so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I also like also like the incidental characters in this. Well, this episode also reintroduces Harriet Jones. From, oh yes, yeah. You comes from Aliens of London and World and World War Three. Who's Prime Minister now? And one before and one, before I talk about her character herself, there's. One thing I would like to point out, in the initial news pro- news broadcast, one of the headlines says Cottage Hospital's plan. So I guess she got that through in the end. So mm. some something nice. And yeah, you you can tell she's you can tell that she is meant to be meant to be like the, the ideal politician to get the get things to get things done type of politician, combining bits of Thatcher and, and other things. And I do think she makes a pretty pretty comp- pretty pretty compelling presence throughout. I do have one major gripe though. Yeah. Oh yes, we know what this isn't is. Isn't it? Isn't it so sexist how the doctor <laughs> says <laughs> the, is, doesn't she look tired? He just hates women in power. It's as yep. simple as that. <laughs> Notice how his ideal woman in Rose is some bimboy nineteen year old with no power who we can dominate over. And tell what to do and manipulate. You notice how when Rose has all the power in the series one finale, he has to take it away from her and give it to himself. (laughs) And sexually assaulted out her, might I add. Oh, yes. And did you not notice just before the doctor woke up how it was going across his legs? Look at that female gaze. Fuck this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move we'll on stop, to the other stop. point I was gonna bring up. Um, is that I I do agree, Connor. I do really like the sticker There's a really strong idea there. Mm. I love the idea of of blood control but and the doctor. Yeah, and also like they're legitimately scary. I love their designs. They're fascinating. Even yeah, a lot of people say it kind of falls apart when they lift up their like what would you call that? The first layer of their face. <laughs> um, it's not quite. It's not, it's, it's not quite a helmet. No, I, guess. I love it. Um, I love it. 
or a mask. But like, yeah, no, I think it still looks really good after that. I, I don't mind. No, nah, they look they look like a they look like you know I don't know like a scrotum if you rip the skin off. <laughs> yeah. I, and have you been doing this to know such a thing? Um, no. <laughs> guess it. So how have you discovered this? Uh, it was the first word that came to mind. I don't know. It looks like they have no skin. They just have flesh. That makes and sense. And I think that's more the idea. That is not exclusive yeah, to the scrotum. Underneath a scrotum. I don't know. I just I wanted a disgusting word to relate to. Nice, nice. Well, you could have said flat. clip, but you didn't. Obvious sexist supports the tenth doctor, of course. <laughs> I hate this so much. All right. <laughs> Speaking of uh, speaking oh, of that, actually, I, I I really like how in the scene where he picks out his clothes, we actually get to see more of the TARDIS, which is rare for the Davies era. Yeah, that was cool. One thing I don't like about the early New Who TARDIS, it's the fact that you barely get to see any of it. It looks so small. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing I have, is I wish we got to see more of it. And, you know, it's funny I'm going to be saying this, but that's one thing I do like about Matt Smith's era, that we get to see more of the TARDIS. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, aside from the journey to the center of the TARDIS, where oh yeah, you know. but that doesn't. Oh, that was, <laughs> that's never mind. God, we saw we saw less of the TARDIS than that when than we saw in this episode. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's that true. We just saw some like course. random cliff sides. Yeah, <laughs> corridors, and cord. and the, corridors, and, and, the, and, a, and a library, and the Doctor <laughs> smacking Clara's ass. Oh, and there isn't even a swimming pool in there like there is in the Invasion of Time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, swimming pool that looks nothing like the rest of the TARDIS. Fil- filming um, at filming at a random ledge. Where's center. all the brick walls gone? Where's all the brick walls gone? You know, <laughs> that's what, that's what the TARDIS <laughs> really needs back. All all the identical corners of brick walls and piping. Oh, what a waste <laughs> of an episode that was. Yeah. Oh god. Um, yeah, but I I also just want to bring up because uh, we didn't talk about it much. I adore David Tennant's performance in this. It's it's so absolutely electric. Like absolutely. even. Even when he doesn't have that amazing moment at the end, like he's still really fun to watch. Before that, I love the bit where um where he's like hyperventilating, hyperventilating, and Jackie's like trying to calm him down, and uh and he like he yells at her like I, I adore that. It's it's such a great little. Moment. I need you to shut up. Yeah, it's so good. Also, um, he actually channeling Body Crouch Junior a bit with his intensity, like he's like. Ah. <laughs> also, yeah, Chekhov, also check off fruit inside his dressing gown. Oh yeah. Quite well, there are a lot of like moving moving parts in this story, but like it's it's a very simple plot too. Uh, it's it's, I, it's, I, it's I generally about, a fun story. Really, I don't know about you lot, but I I I also find him very funny in this for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's that line, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that line with the um, I do, there's a line I do with the says, "I demand to know who you are," and he says, "I don't know." I do like yeah. I do I do like a scene where he's like, "Oh, am I funny?" Then and then he just and then he just. And the answer is no. Yeah, of course. Just, yeah. and then, but honestly, like honestly, like the doctor's comedy in this isn't even cringy. Like one would expect it to be, but it's it's, it's, it's really just funny and enjoyable. I did find the Lion oh. King quote a little cringy, but that but that was about it. Yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna be honest that, here. Maybe. This is the one episode I didn't rewatch that I haven't seen recently because the one I just had enough after the Idiot's Lantern and I didn't want to watch any more David. <laughs> oh, Tennant, although so. the one, although the that? one thing I didn't, although the one thing I didn't really like in this one, you can probably guess what. He's oh, gone. Yeah. He's gone. He left me. He left me. Oh yeah, yeah. This is the beginning of Rose's uh, transition into Rose 2.0, I guess. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what did you say, Tom? <laughs> <A man. laughs> 
Okay, I'm, I'm ending this. Okay, let's give our ratings out of 10 for the Christmas Invasion. Don't get cancelled, Dylan. Alright, uh, Christmas Invasion rating out of 10. Uh, the ratings out of 10, I can speak today. Connor? Nine. Nine, Dylan. Um, well, as I said, I haven't really seen it recently. So, I mean, I did intend to watch all of the ones I hadn't seen recently, so I could do it for this one. But as I said, after the event, I couldn't be bothered. But I'd probably say it was a six if I'd watched it recently and I had an informed opinion. So let's just say that. Okay, and Zach? I'm going gi- I'm to give this an eight. Rose brought it down two points. I'll agree with that. I'll give it an eight. Uh, it's a really fun story. I particularly enjoy it. All right, let's move on to New Earth, also by Russell the Davies. Who would like to begin? Actually, I have I have some opinions on this one. Actually, all right, go Dylan. by all means. because yeah, I hadn't actually seen this since it broadcast until earlier this week, and uh, it, it just got me thinking a lot. I didn't realize just how bloody amazing the concept of this episode is. It's really yeah, dark cool, and really it? interesting. It's like, wow, what a good story this could make. If it didn't become a shit comedy where the focus is on Cassandra. Oh, yeah. Was Cassandra even necessary? Why was she even in this story? She just invades what was already a perfectly good plot. Like, you, you, 45 minutes is already not enough time for um, a Doctor Who story. Uh, never mind having, like, you know, an extra side character being brought back, which. Oh, sorry, I was there. Just had a moment there. Now, uh, never mind bringing about another side character, uh, and the, which just makes it so busy, and you don't doesn't have a chance to flesh out its plot properly. It's it's Honestly, really like like, like did, did she need to come back? Like she could have re- stayed dead. Not um, really. There's enough concept here for an episode to keep it going for forty five. Just because Russell was trying to wanted to do this tri- this loose trilogy arc across this, across three seasons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but you don't need Cassandra mm-hmm. for that. I mean, not really. You're setting you're, you're setting up face of bow is going to be the Doctor one last time. That's the only connecting yeah. tissue. Here. Yeah, this is, and not... there was no reason for her to be there either. She was no. just like kind of there. They I never really wor- explained why. Oh, you worship so so she so she can be the dom to her sub. To her son, it's not Moffat. To Sim, his name's Chip. But I have to say though, I do think that guy who plays that character does a really good performance. Like he pulls through the whole um, flamboyance thing. I just think he does bring bring about the one aspect of this of the Cassandra plot that I do really like, which is the ending uh, where Cassandra goes to visit herself one last time. I, I, I really enjoy that. Um, wait, wait, actually, that's another thing. What? So she spends all of this time in the episode saying, like, oh, I need to survive, doing anything to survive, in an almost a master-like way, in the way that she's, like, stealing bodies. And then all of a sudden, just at the end of the episode, she has a change of heart says, okay, time to die, goodbye. And that's yeah, it. I don't think she really decided to die, because... The body was weakening. Yeah. Chip was already about yeah, but she to die. Could've, she could have invaded somebody else's body, though, like she'd been doing all episode. That's, uh, I guess that's true. I guess the change another... of heart there, uh, the change of heart there, I guess, more this... more so more so not being that, not being that she decides to die, it's, think... it's that she decides to stop abusing other people. We'll also think I, her ending and, and is... Just yeah, but it just comes out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it just, this... just kind of happens problem after she sees people touching each other. The biggest problem with New Earth is it has too much tonal whiplash. It's it's yeah. a rushed mess yeah. and it doesn't work and because it's got it's, the... it's got a lot of ideas that could work but because they're not ironed out they don't. And of course, it's the start of Ten and Rose becoming insufferable, like that bloody intro. Oh, that was yeah. our fir- that was our that was our first date. Yeah, we had oh. chips. Oh yeah, I forgot they fucking call it a date. I love don't it. They? Yeah, they, they do. The end cool. of the world. It's fucking date. I will say though, 
I will say that. Did you notice that when she said that, the doctor was a bit like, "Oh, I don't know about that." Like he was a bit like, "Oh, that's a weird." Not really. Word. I, not really. Oh, does he? I never, I never. Yeah, yeah. He looks that. in the distance. He's a bit. He looks away from me. Like, oh, that's not what it's I not thought really. it was. To me, to me, it looked more like a smile. Yeah, we had chips. Oh, you but... should probably watch it again. Although you probably won't, will you? I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Although I will, I will, I will say. <laughs> okay, okay. There's some. There is something nice. Like, can say about Cassandra's ending as well. It's kind of it's kind of bittersweet because at the beginning, Cassandra is watching the video from the party. She says that's the last time anyone told her told her that she was beautiful, and then at the end, it's revealed that she in Chip's body was the last person to tell her that. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of bittersweet. Oh yeah, it, it is. A, it is a really nice moment. It is like when I, it's the only scene I really enjoy of Cassandra's in this uh, because the rest is just really annoying unfunny comedy um but i think it's a really genuine moment but uh, you're <laughs> totally right connor about the tonal whiplash throughout this episode like it's i, I know you just don't enjoy take it Cassandra out there's a good story um, there but i know you don't enjoy the comedy but i just for some reason i love how how much the actors are trying it just i just find that so <laughs> endearing like how much the actors are going full force at it you know like when David Tennant gets taken over and he's like, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! It's like he's really going for it. Nice I, rear bumper. But I can't imagine Christopher Eccleston wanting to do this at all. <laughs> See, but you know what? Be, because Chris Eccleston's entire motivation for the role is that like it's something he'd never done before, I think he would go That's full true. ham. Yeah, he true. would go full I, ham. I can't imagine him pulling it off, though. Like He yeah, would so do it, though. He would I totally can, do it. <laughs> Or unless yeah. he just say, or unless just say, fuck it, I'm not doing this, considering. <laughs> You'd regenerate the, at the end of Christmas Invasions. Hey, I know you've been looking, and you like it. <laughs> I'm going to go and find New Eaton Park and tell them, t- and see if it's still covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, New Eaton Park's going to be great now. Nature's <laughs> going to return to New Eaton yeah. Park. The, the planet's gone and shit and has shat yeah. on us. But no, I think I've oh, kind of got like a... You know how like Shay has those episodes that he loves just because they're so weird? I think I have like a kind of Shay effect on this where I like... It's just so everything all at once that I'm like, but, fuck it, I, it's just enjoyable. But when, the, but when the episode, the rest of the episode is right there and there's a really strong idea there and it's really well executed yeah, for yeah, when it's we a get waste. those moments of the disease. Like, yeah, it's completely wasted potential. It's yeah. frustrating. I do like it's the, frustrating to watch. Yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah. I do like the inst- Which, I like, like a lot of new who a lot of new who wastes brilliant concepts and I just don't also, get it also yeah. it's funny that we had um, in Fugitive of the Jadoon we had a scene where Captain Jack needlessly teases something for the future it's funny because in this episode technically he does that as well because the face of Bo is yeah, like I know I, I, I don't like that until next time, Cap- Cap- Captain Jack's one purpose in the show is just to tease no. random shit that's, no, that like, no, has this. nothing to do with him <laughs> Know this time, Lord. Beware of Benny. <laughs> oh, all right. So uh, that being said, though, I do, I do think I, I I can still have fun watching this episode. It's not very good, but I mean, I can still have fun watching it. I'll give it about uh, five out of ten. Uh, Dylan, um, the four out of ten, and the four out of ten, like the four points are for the amazing plot idea. The six taken away of just how shit it's executed, and it's not funny. Fair enough. Uh, Zach? I'm giving this one a 5 out of 10. Five. And Connor, I almost dread to ask, what is your rating out of 10? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a 6. I think it's Russell's weakest episode for me. 
Oh, really? Out of all of them. Used to be, used to be Voyage of the Damned, but then I rewatched that recently, and I liked that more than this. I, I mean, I don't want to get six into this debate right now, but like, but like, it's I mean, weakest of all time. Okay, it's a six out of ten, and it's worse than End of Time to you. Yeah, but I like End of Time, and I like Last of the Time Lords, so it's not going to be those. It's going to be this. Okay. I mean, I get what you're saying though, because it's a bit like if a Moffat fan said, "Hey, his worst episode's The Beast Below." It's like, no, it's not. It's hell bent. Yeah, <laughs> I get what you're saying, but no, this yeah. is my least favorite Russell episode. It's a mess. It's not cohesively written. Wastes a good idea. Um, it's got tonal whiplash, and yeah, that's why. Okay. All right. So this is one of the episodes on. I'm probably going to be kinder to in this series out of the ones I don't like so well, i'm not so saying it's the worst of the well, series man. dylan i'm saying it's the worst that russell t davies wrote that's what i'm saying yeah. oh yeah oh yeah because and for some reason this place got a bloody big finish spin-off yeah i don't, I don't like so, that who asked for that i don't know, I don't know. Oh, oh i actually listened to that box up because i got a, I, I stole a promo code from doctor who magazine <laughs> oh one oh. thing i do like about this episode and... though one thing i do like about this episode is that um, the ending revolves around Rose pulling a lever, which links to the finale. Okay. Themes. The dialogue of the Christmas invasion at the very end is the same dialogue from the beach as well. Huh. And there's also another link in the next episode too. <laughs> I will. I will say since, since you brought it up, Tales from New Earth, because uh, I listened to it, has I can safely say is the worst Big Finish box that I've ever listened to. It what is worse than Dalek awful. Empire. Good to know because it, I have absolutely yeah. no interest. Oh, it's in getting fucking! It. It's fucking worse than anything. I, I, any, I should okay. I should specify a box set, but actually, yeah, I'll say it's worse than Dalek Empire. Yeah. Wow. So oh. yeah, it's well, not awful. even James. Not even James Dreyfus could save it. <laughs> oh that's right he isn't in it i didn't yeah. even notice he was in it <laughs> wait who does he play in this the grand uh he was the in master the grand oh, exalted no, no, high... no he's not he's not the master in tales from new earth what is... no he plays the grand exalted high persian i forget who that character is to be, <laughs> be a cat. i never i never i don't i've never heard it i just the know transphobic it's cat probably oh, all right <laughs> fuck this Let's move on to Tooth and Claw by Russell T. Davies again. Uh, who would like to start us off? I'll be Jack off. or Joey this time. I'll start off. Right. This one I okay. This this one I'll just start, I'll start I start I'll start off with the good stuff. I actually I really like this. I really like this story. Nice fast nice fast play, paced plot. It it sets it sets up Torchwood in the future and and even if the even if the effects are a little dated, I do I do like the tones with with the werewolf. Hmm, okay, I think there's a nice, uh, there's a nice, nice overall tone to this story, and uh, David, I think, that, I think a lot of that comes across both in the directing and in the writing. Um, but at the same time, it's a very standard story, isn't it? It doesn't offer much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ha having said that, though, it it all, I think it all depends on how much you enjoy it for me, because I really enjoy it, and uh, there's a few reasons for that. One is the fact that it has, because it has a mature rating. It actually has a bit of balls. Like with the werewolf transformation scenes, they actually look really graphic. They go for quite a dark gothic horror feel, which I think is vastly improved on the Blu-ray transfer. This is one of the best ones I that guess. improved when it went to Blu-ray because I watched the Blu-ray version recently, and oh my god, it's beautiful! Even before, it looks even like it looks like. I will like say as well, uh, you a lot of this game, a lot, a lot of. The 
a lot of this episode, and not just the werewolf, looks like a PlayStation 2 game, not gonna lie. Not that I care about effects, <laughs> really? obviously, because I'm a classic Even without me. But yeah, how did you, but like, you know, that, the yeah. telescope bit, and like just so much of it is done by CGI because they're oh, doing right. it really yeah, on. Yeah, the CGI. It doesn't bother me, but it's just funny. The CGI is not this, but I'm ter- I, I'm, I mean, that... in terms of like the raw cinematography and the color grading, it looks like a film from like 2010 on the Blu-ray version. It's so delicious. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like Metal Gear Solid 2 on the PS2, where it's still got PSC <laughs> graphics, but it's very cinematic. <laughs> just before, just before the werewolf dies, he turns to Doctor Manhattan. Oh, that's right. Oh, he does. Wait, wasn't he always naked though? Um, he he took off the cloak before he transformed. You know what's funny? When my yeah. friend first saw this episode, he saw his face and he said, "Is that Eminem?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's Eminem who's very high. If you look honestly, at the eyeballs, he is very, honestly, he is... I will say though, like with, with how with how shit the CG is on the on the werewolf, I think the guy himself playing him uh, before he transforms is creepier than the werewolf itself. <laughs> You're like, like what's about you, girl? He's genuinely, he's, yeah, like, he's creepy, like especially with like the with the black yeah. contacts in it and everything. Like he's he's kind of scary, honestly. Moonlight, oh, like the sun, but all I require is the moon. You. Why would I leave this place? He is genuinely unsettling. Yeah, but no, I love the I love the transformation scene. I also think this episode has some really um, creative direction. Like in in the in the cold open with like the the it's so bizarre. But kung fu monks in Scotland is like I don't it shouldn't work, but for some reason I really (laughs) like it. I don't know. I'm, I'm never, sort of, I never like knew how to feel about that scene at the beginning. I'm always I just like, sort of, why well, is the this hands of God? Warrior monks. I thought it was sil- I thought it was silly and over the top, but I don't care. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. yeah the and direction I... in that scene was really weird, though. Like every time yeah. the monks are on screen, it, like it, a million and one cuts happen. Yeah. There's that shot where the guy gets drowned, and it's from the point of view of the water. Yeah. We also have um. <laughs> We also have Pauline Collins as as Queen Victoria. Oh yes, yeah, and she's she's, she's actually she's Samantha really good. Briggs. Yeah. Yep, Samantha Briggs. I, and funny I enough, Jamie, and funny enough, episode. Jamie McCrimmon is mentioned in this. Yeah, as one of the Doctor's James, aliases. James Robert McCrimmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, um, that, now uh, I have an opinion about this episode, in the sense that it's almost the opposite of New Earth. In the in New Earth, the idea was great. But like all of the stupid like side characters and stuff ruined it. Um, whereas in this, the plot itself is kind of a bit meh. But like you know, the kind of side character stuff's actually quite good. It's very well executed, yeah. isn't it? Aside from some of the CGI yeah. that's aged, it's it's a very it's well like... executed story. I feel. However, what it does share with New Earth. It, uh... What it does share with New Earth is that the Doctor and Rose are just as insufferable. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? You don't enjoy this? They're fucking no, awful. I They're fucking awful, awful. awful in this. Ah, oh, I, I, I love awful. them in this. The whole We Are Not Amused. The whole We Are Not Amused. Oh, yeah, the We Are Not Amused. I hate that. Rose trying to get Queen Victoria to say We Are Not Amused is just... Okay, yeah, maybe that's that might be a bit repetitive, though. I will say that. I hate that. I really enjoy... I really enjoy their dynamic in this, honestly. And of course Especially the, the doctor um, doing a Scottish accent. That was fucking hilarious. The only me. time David Tennant was allowed to use his natural accent. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was a Scottish man playing an alien man with an English accent, trying to affect a Scottish accent, but then going back to an English accent. It's funny because the, um, the Scottish accent he uses in this is actually not his accent. Yeah. Huh. yeah. It's weird. <clears throat> it's funny. 
Um, no, I, I, and, and I think I made a comment on Twitter when you were talking about this episode, Dylan, that I think because the werewolf transformation scene like raised the maturity rating, that actually gave Russell T. Leeway to write some dialogue that you usually wouldn't get. It's got some quite adult Chasing humor. this wee naked child for hours. Isn't that like this girl? Beastie. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mom, for being so naked. I have five daughters, seven daughters, whatever it was. <laughs> that being said, though, we we kind of failed to mention it in New Earth. Like David Tennant is still really fun to watch, and he still is having so oh, much fun. I thought fun you said they're running. insufferable, Joey. Well, no, I think their dynamic is insufferable. Well, David Tennant as an actor is still I do kind marvelous. Of, I do kind of like the way he says "a werewolf" in this. In oh, his I love that! I love that. <laughs> A werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I haven't uh, talked about the other characters. I, you know, gotta be honest, I don't remember much about the other characters in this. I just remember one was a traitor. For me, it's the opposite. It's like I don't really care about the werewolf stuff. Like it's just kind of there. Whereas there's actually some interesting characters in this that I enjoyed, like Queen Victoria, the um, the guy who owns the manor. Mm. Uh, I mean, okay, Victoria, but it was many characters. Bald characters, the monks. I I think they're really creepy. Mm. Especially the guy playing the bald one. He's he's yeah. very angry. And he plays Pyat Pre in Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, yeah, he does. Except it's funny, there's lots of Game of Thrones not, actors in this because you've also got through. you've also got the actors for Roderick and Jory Cassell in this too. Yeah. I... Funny. Yeah. Alright. Uh does that about do it? Anything else to add on Tooth and Claw? I, I really like the plot. I really like um I really like the scene in the library as well. And also the whole oh, yeah, uh, the scene, scene where they're being it's called, it's like a base of the siege with a werewolf, and also um, I like how the resolution of the plot ties into the diamond as well. I really like that and how it ties into Victoria's dead husband. That was cool, <laughs> and um, also the way it sets up Torchwood, and also the themes when there's a scene the with the Doctor <laughs> on 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 a wall, and on the other side is a wolf, which ties into the finale. Oh yeah, that what. <laughs> fucking seriously really? i think i just think, uh, i just think it's a cool shot i, I love the that him against the wall with the werewolf on the other side but really you're gonna compare that to doomsday it's also it's set for, it's, well, you know, it's, it's done intentionally though <laughs> also sets is up it? our series also yeah. sets up our series arc i mean torture was mentioned a few yeah, times the first three episodes of series two including the christmas invasion all set up to the finale with very like subtle links i think it i don't know i think it just kind of yeah. Oh, I know. That's right. Aside from the wordless references of Torchwood, the word rep. Oh, yeah, true. Well, but this sets up the arc properly. It may have been mentioned a few times beforehand, but now this really sets the Torchwood arc in motion. This should have been the series opener, not New Earth. Yeah. Yeah, Especially especially with the strong references to Torchwood. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like it was. New Earth doesn't feel like it should have been the series opener. It feels a bit disjointed. It shouldn't have been there at all. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's give ratings out of 10 for Tooth and Claw, Zach. Okay, Tooth and Claw, I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. Oh, okay, high praise. Uh, I'll give it like a 6 or a 6.5. Uh, Connor? 8. 8. And Dylan, I see, is muted right now, so we'll get back to him sometime in the next episode, hopefully. So... <laughs> Uh, let's move on to School Reunion by Toby Whithouse. You know what? I think I'll start this one because I, 
it, it, it's definitely one of the Davies episodes I've revisited the most. And I kind of just fall in love with it more and more each time. So much mm-hmm. so to the point where, like, I've almost completely forgotten about how much I despise Rose in it. I'm only reminded of it in the moment. Um, but she's the only thing I don't like about the episode. The rest, I think, is phenomenal. And Rose is the only thing holding me back from giving it, a, like, a perfect score. It's such a great episode. Um, yeah, a lot of it is nostalgia bait. I'll give it that. Uh, a lot of it is just sort of playing to my emotions. But honestly, I don't mind at all because it does hit on such a such a deep emotional level for me. Um, I agree. I agree. I, for, the, for the most part, I think there is, there is, I think it's there is more a than just nostalgia. I think it's more than just nostalgia. I think the villain is very strong. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I, I do really like the Krillitane. Anthony uh, Head. I will say, yeah. I will, Anthony Head is scarier than the Krillitane design. Yeah. And I also think this is David Tennant's first proper time to shine as an actor because in the first three episodes, he gets, you know, he's knocked out for one, he's possessed for the second, and then he's Scottish for the third. And in this one, he actually gets to play the Doctor for real for a full episode. And his dynamic with Sarah Jane, for me, legitimizes him. Like it makes him feel yeah. like he fits in with the rest of the show. And I really like the scene where Sarah Jane dis- where Sarah Jane discovers that he's that he's the Doctor. The build up to that, she sees the TARDIS. Oh, it's so good. Every every little. Every new Who Doctor has that has that moment where they sort of encompass the Doctor's age, and, and you really do feel how how long the Doctor has lived as a character. And Tennant has his relatively early on. Like Smith, I think, like uh, any of his moments where you feel the Doctor's age come a lot later. Uh, Capaldi even more so. But here, it's his fourth damn episode, and he totally yeah. gets the Doctor as a general character. Like, it's not just like, this isn't just the 10th doctor talking. This is the doctor definitively. And he totally sells it. And Liz Sladen is just marvelous off of him. Also, also this, this watch, this watch, when we watching it for this, I can, wouldn't Anthony head have been amazing as the master? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. He'd be quite good. Yeah. I just, oh, oh, Dylan's back. Dylan's back. Hang on one second scene. to pause this. Um, uh, what was your rating for tooth and claw Dylan? Uh, I don't know. Like, six maybe six gotcha all right sorry continue zach <clears throat> it's the, the particularly the scene with him and the doc with him and the doctor by the swimming pool i got i got a lot of anthony ainley and roger delgado vibes from him i was thinking wow if we had him as the master that would have been oh, that would be perfect. so good he's yeah, so good very good in this um he's definitely also- the best thing about it to be honest he's just instantly entertaining in every scene he's in Mm. The scene yeah, where, also the scene where he where he tries to tempt where he tries to tempt tempt the doctor into the paradigm. And I love I love the way Sarah Jane um like talks him out of it. That was really powerful for me. Yeah, yeah. Um also Sarah Jane Hines in this. Yes, and uh, wonderfully played, of course, by John Leeson, and he's ah, amazing John. as always. <laughs> we are in a car. We are in a car. Honestly, I think I like I think I oh, like dude, I'm the tin dog. I think I like canine more at <laughs> this than I do in all of Classic Who, to be honest. I think that can I think that describes the feeling of the production staff because apparently he was a pain in the ass. I can kind of agree with that, Connor, actually, because like I don't know. Yeah, I never I feel don't... particularly strongly to canine. Like, there are yeah. a few key moments in Classic Who where I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's fun. He's fun to yeah. have around. But I don't but... I don't yeah. hate canine or anything, but I think in this he's a lot because there's this big thing of around, like nostalgia around him, he feels a bit more more like charming to me than he does in classic like in classic who he's very much i am a robot dog and the the comedy comes from the fourth doctor like calling him a piece of shit like that's funny um <laughs> but with this with this canine is actually the one that's funny when canine 
Because yeah. he's making uh, you, fun of Mickey, who is the tin dog of this TARDIS team. I disagree just, one, with one point there that like that you say that it's it's mostly because of nostalgia and it's mostly like the callbacks to to the fact that he used to be in Classic Who. I think he's just genu- genuinely better written here. I I, yeah, I really enjoy him just as a functioning part of the plot. Yeah, no, he has just, some, he has you just, absolutely. You just put it back on me what I said to you. <laughs> did genuinely think that his that his farewell before <laughs> K9 Mark III blows himself up. I ge- his farewell to the Tenth Doctor I thought was genuinely pretty poignant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm. I'm going to disagree here. I, I, I'm not a big fan of... I mean, I, I don't really care about K9 generally. I agree with that. But I don't necessarily agree with you where it's saying, oh, it's so much better here or anything. Like, I, the bits with K9 I enjoy is like Connor was saying. It's when it, he's bouncing off Tom Baker for comedy. And yeah. that was funny. That's how it worked. That was the chemistry work. Because obviously when they try to bring, like, Chameleon at the equation, it was just a complete oh. failure. <laughs> there's no way you can have Peter Davison bounce off a robot. And I feel... <laughs> Yeah, I have it's not quite the same because David Tennant can bounce off a robot a bit more, but I still feel. I don't think K9's charm here is due to him bouncing off David Tennant. I think it's with his other human interactions. Like you brought up that he does work best when he's working off of human human or humanoid characters. Like Mickey, but, for but, example. Yeah, exactly. But here, like, mm. you're directly. He's best when you directly compare him to other characters. And here, there is an immediate comparison in Mickey. And there, there's, there's a lot of charm there to be had. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, not just um, not do I not I don't just because I love Anthony Head as the main Krillotane, but I also like all of his henchmen as well and how just completely over the top they are. I just find them so funny. Like there's yeah. that one that's like, "This isn't your classroom, Kenny. You are not permitted <laughs> to leave your station during a sitting." Like there are a lot of uh, this is this is actually one of those few Doctor Who plots, specifically in New Who, where it has like this utterly ridiculous, unbelievable how the, how did the aliens ever accomplish this one kind of plots? But I just don't mind at all. Like it's, it's it, that it, whole it thing totally of like um, when you're a kid and you think that your teachers are bats that sleep at school. Well, <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> also, something that there was also on the design of the Critters. What I what I really like in this is how how it implies that their design has changed. Uh, their design has changed over time. So let's say theoretically they brought it, they they brought them back. They can, they could theoretically give them a completely new design, showing how they've evolved. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But honestly, I don't hate their designs. It's just kind of shit CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's kind of a running thing of the RTD though. Is that <laughs> it's just it's all it's always shit CG. It's like ah, oh, for fuck's sake. There's something yeah. that I don't really shit like. CG. In like there, there's, a, there's a nice strong ambition there, but it's just God. Wait till we get to the wait, wait till we get to series three. Wait till we get to series oh, three to talk oh, about bad Jesus, CG. series three. If there's, if, there's, if there's one thing I don't really like in this episode, this is more of a, on well, of course Rose, but this but on but more of a nitpick here <laughs> with with with. I don't really I don't really like the implication that Sarah Jane did nothing but pine after the Doctor all these years. They do imply that, don't they? Yeah, I don't really like yeah. that, especially since K 9s here, which means K nine and company is canon. She didn't forget. Yeah, this is a. Oh, this I is mean, a tough it was one, always canon given the five doctors. I know, I think, but still. I think see, but then also, one, actually. actually, you know what's weird? Bringing up the five doctors there. This this episode completely forgets that the five doctors exists. Yeah, I know. Sarah, it says like, oh, Sarah Jane, like, like says all the like, time that the last time she saw well, the doctor was. Hang on a second. Hang on a second, though. But if you if you take into account that not only did Stephen Moffat retcon it so that there are more doctors, but also he doesn't say six; he says half a dozen, which is not. Yes, to, uh, it's not exact. Half a dozen is is a half a dozen six. Half a dozen is six. I know it is, but sometimes half a dozen. I don't know if it's this is true in no, that's a baker's in, in real Britain. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 was, I wasn't, refer, I wasn't referring to that. 
See, no, I wasn't referring to that line. That's when I said, when I said it forgets the five eight, doctors. No. I, yeah, I was referring to like her saying the last time she saw the doctor was the hand of fear. She said that like how many times throughout this episode? And I'm like, oh, I get yeah. the sentiment there, but um, it's constant. I did think it. I did. I did think it was quite. I did think it was that quite a nice scene where they where Sarah Jane confronts the doctor confronts doctor over that despite despite my grievances. Oh, you dropped me in Aberdeen. Oh right, um, that's next to Croydon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just so many great little moments. And once again, I mean, David Tennant totally encompasses physics that, the age of the doctor there like it's yeah. it's wonderful yeah yeah in terms of the sarah jane thing i i'm i can understand why people don't like it like her pining after the doctor because that is a bit weird but at the same time it's like ah but at the same time well, you the sort same of time, need... i've got to defend this because it's russell t davis well he didn't actually write this <laughs> to be fair dylan it was actually toby whithouse who wrote this well yeah but do you think it was toby whithouse's idea to bring no, back sarah jane no but but what i'm saying what i'm saying is is that they you to bring her back to make the story interesting you sort of have to find something for her to um some kind of character uh, motivation otherwise she would just yeah, be, literally be there for well the, well, the, well the character motivation there is that she's mad at the doctor for abandoning her mm. yeah i don't know i can see why someone wouldn't like it um to be fair i i can see that doesn't bother me though. Like, you can't just bring it like you know in character stuff just for the sake of bringing it in. It has to actually make sense with the character. I I don't think well, it kind of it kind of makes sense. I just think that people are mad that they chose to go down that road. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just. Mm. It's, I mean, we, we still get we still get little bits in, in there saying that she still in, investigate investigates stuff about aliens. Hence the reason why she's even at the school in the first place. But the but the fact that the, the fact that it implies that she just waste her life pining off the doctor it's you it's still it still just sits with me the wrong way yeah i can see i can see that yeah, i mean it's like it's trying too hard to try and draw a comparison between sarah jane and rose yeah 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 that that is annoying but mm. but that's more you never issue, even mention her than sarah jane um yeah all right so let's do rings at a 10-4 school reunion i'll start off with dylan uh, probably like a six. It's all right. It's fun. seriously. It's wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, all right, Connor. Nine point five. I'm gonna give it a nine. Uh, Zach. I'm gonna give it an eight, just because of Rose. Wait, and wait, wait. Since, since when did everybody love this story? Everyone loves this story. Because it's Dylan. fucking it's not brilliant. Nervous. It's very high on the DWM. <laughs> if you haven't seen. I mean, it, it's all right. But nah, man, what? Does, I love this when one. Did, since great. when did this become a masterpiece? <laughs> Not a masterpiece. Not a masterpiece. No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. 9.5 out of 10 constitutes a masterpiece. Not necessarily. It's a 9.5 for what it is, Dylan. I'm not saying this is like on, you know, I'm not saying that it's as ambitious as like a fucking marathon story like the War Games or anything. It's not. It's a small scale, very isolated story. But for what it is, I think it's a 9.5. Yeah, definitely. I'll give it a 9. I mean, you know, I'm not. I I just can't see how you can give it a 9. It's great. It's a great I story. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, great villain. Whatever. Great reintroduction of Sarah Jane. Great um, stuff with the Doctor. I love it. I love almost everything about the story. I think the only thing that I wasn't too keen on was the Kenny bit was a little bit underdeveloped. Yeah. 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 Well, he got laid then again, that, didn't he? Then again, I suppose Kenny blew up the skulls quite a satisfying little line. I, I don't know. He got laid after that cannon. <laughs> But but guys, 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 I just got a really clever idea. <laughs> Let's move on to the girl in the fireplace. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
you this know, is a much it's, cleverer story. It's so clever because the doctor likes little girls. Oh, oh. <laughs> He says it to for Glot. I've been chasing this I'm little naked this wee bit. I want to start with this one, if you want me to. Go, go ahead, go Connor. On, go on. Go yeah, on. because I adore the girl in the fireplace. I love it. I think that um, it's interesting that there are parallels between this and what Moffat did with uh, Series 5, because I think that the idea of the Doctor meeting someone at their young age and then seeing them grow up works so much better in a self-contained story than it does over like a whole series arc or whatever that was. Can can we just point out how obsessed Muffat is with people waiting a long time for the doctor? Well, (laughs) to be fair though, Dylan, there are episodes that you love and I love and we all love that are like like World Enough Time, for example. It's it's not necessarily a criticism. I mean, the girl who waited as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. just like the no, fact that this is you know, it's his like favorite all the thing, time. It? It's his favorite thing ever, Moffat. Yep. It's his favorite. I love to mess with time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although it does, although it, although I agree with Connor here, it does, it does work better as in a self in a self contained story. And I Absolutely. think um, this kind of thing that they're going for here, I think, works a lot better with the Tenth Doctor and a historical figure like Madame de Pompadour than it does for. The Doctor and Amy. I know that's a hot take for some people, but I think... No, I'll agree. No, 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 I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And I I think, personally, I think Tennant is on fire in this. I think he's really strong. I uh, love the historical <laughs> setting. I love the way it blends with this futuristic spaceship. It's so creative. You've got those really scary-looking marks that are on the, the clockwork droids. Um, the direction's brilliant. The atmosphere's great. I love... Um, I'm not sure how you all feel about this because I know it's not, not a particular favorite thing for you guys, but I love Murray Gold's music in this episode as well. So do I. I, mean, I, no, 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 like, I, I was Madame literally just about Madame to say this, yeah. this is one of the few Murray Gold scores which is like really good. Yeah. And the reason Madame is, is my it's, all, it's all purpose built for this episode, for this episode's atmosphere. And also, um, one thing I want to bring up is that like, I'm one thing I'll bring up is that, like, I am very conflicted on the Tenth Doctor in this one. I mean, beyond Tennant bringing his regular yeah, energy, so like... Obviously, he's characterized like, as a romantic figure, which I can understand why someone wouldn't well, enjoy. Yeah. Actually, well, um, here, well, I mean, I was going to bring that up as a positive, actually. I think this is one of the few times that him as a romantic hero sort of works, because it's how someone views him, rather. Uh, rather than, like, him actually being the figure uh, that they think he is. So, so I enjoy that aspect, surprisingly. But I, I fucking hate and I mean, fucking despise the scene where he, um, where he's acting like a drunk fucking. Really, I, I quite despise... like that. I fucking thick, 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 thick from the he's, so, you know, he's just, he's just had a party, man. Oh, Leave him alone. Oh, I hate it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> you sound like Brian. But then it was. <laughs> I will say, I think, I think this story, I think this story has a good, has a good balance of, has has a good balance of of poignancy and and humor because I do, I do, I do really like the antics that and also and also get to, and also another thing, the plot is so clever. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that there's a spaceship in the future that because of it's running on software. Um, and it has access to like some kind of time tunnel. It thinks that the human being of Madame de Pompadour in the past is the part that needs to repair itself. I think that's so awesome. It's brilliant. Um, and also, I love the fact that this story has like a four act structure where you've got like all the, the th- first three acts that you usually get in a Doctor Who story. But 
after the fact you get another act where it's revealed that despite the fact that you know the doctor rode on his white horse and said a day she still died and that was great i love that yeah and yes i really do i do really like the performances of david Tennant and sophia miles they're seen together oh um, yeah it's funny because they actually dated for a bit after this and then the doctor married his daughter oh yes Uh, David Tennant's relationship history in Doctor Who is fucking bizarre. (laughs) Um, But there, but yeah, you brought up, um, you know, like no, you know, no matter how many times the Doctor saves the day, you know, the the there's the inevitability of death, and there's a great sense of injustice throughout this story because of that. And it's a Moffat story where someone dies. It's like, oh yes, and and that's the main selling. Thank thank God. If it was written now, Madam. If it was written now, Madam de Pompadour will come back as an immortal super goddess. But like, I, I, I think the, the thing is though, the thing is though, Moffat was written. It was it was backed into a corner because she actually does die in real life. So I think he's like, oh well, <laughs> he, he can't be too clever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was this death and blink as well? Something, which was great. something I was going. Something I was going to say. Yeah, I I really do like I do I do like the humor the humor in this story main. Mainly that one scene of the horse. Can you please stop following me? I'm not your mother. I was clever, but was I clever enough? Oh. No, 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 you're not keeping the horse. I let you I... keep Mickey. <laughs> We're on pre- this pre no, What is no, pre-revolutionary France doing on a spaceship? Now. Get some perspective. <laughs> and, of course, yeah. and of course, Mickey rubs it in Rose's face that the doctor's gotten laid before. Also, a little bit of piece of direction I love is how, um, obviously, the Doctor and the fire, the fireplace is shut down, and they're waiting on the spaceship, and I love when Rose looks up into space, and then it cuts to the Doctor looking into space in, in the house. That was great. Yeah. Great bit of direction. One thing I don't, one thing I don't really like, it, Rose's jealousy of Madame de Pompadour, particularly during that one scene when she confront, confronts her. You don't the like that she scene, says, Zach? The way the way that she says, "This was never supposed to happen." It's you can tell you could tell by Billy Piper's delivery. It was like, "I was here first. I want him, not you." Interesting, because I feel like this is one of the ones where she's at her least. I uh, know. Fierce. That makes sense. It's a lack of appearance in the episode. Because <laughs> I I actually really like that scene, and I like how. Despite the fact that Rose is obviously upset by it, she understands that it's not Madame de Pompadour's fault. I actually find that quite interesting. But she was still a compl- but she was still acting like a bit of a bitch over it. Yeah, well, I think that's just your bias, act, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> Which is understandable, but I think it's just your bias. Well, I'm not ashamed of it. Fair enough. So, uh, anything else also, Mickey is great. Mickey stuff. is very funny yeah. in this. He, he yeah, is. He is. I love the scene where he's got yeah. a gun and he's rolling around like he's an action hero, but he's just being an idiot. Yeah. I love, I love that. I love Mickey and Rose's high, wacky hijinks in this. Mm. And one scene from Mickey that, ju- ju- the final scene just after the Doctor reads Madame de Pompadour's letter when when he says, "Come on, Rose, we sh- show me more around this place." He's like, oh, "Come on, oh. give him some space." I love how yeah. like they ask him if he's alright, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm always alright." But he's, like, he's definitely not. Like you know, I will say like this is a prime example of like how to do Rose with the Tenth Doctor and like have her actually like focus on something else other than the Funnily Doctor himself. Enough, written like, by Stephen Moffat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Moffat. I think Moffat. You know, I, I know at I've least, said before. At least Riversong. I don't think on this podcast. I know I've said before that like 
it, it's always been the goal of of new of new showrunners to be like the the antithesis of the previous showrunner. But I think Moffat has always been against the idea of of other than Amy at the very beginning, uh, um, of the Doctor falling in love with their companions or vice versa. Uh, well, so I mean, he, he didn't fall in love with her. That was song? unconsensual. That well, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, well, the, in the name of the I, doctor, I guess, he confesses that and he then does. Deep, and then deep breath went and ruined this whole set, this whole story setting. <sighs> so, ratings out of ten for the girl in the fireplace, Dylan. Eight out of ten. It's a good story. I'll agree with that. I'll give it an eight, Connor. What do you think it is? Uh oh, put, this is a fucking ten. It's a ten out of ten. Yeah. Love it. Zach. Absolutely love it. One of my all-time favorites, this one. <laughs> and Zach. I'm giving I'm gonna give this one an eight. But it I still re- I still really like this one though. Connor, the RTD elitist has to throw off our uh the Moffat unanimous story, vote. Joey. It's a Moffat story. <laughs> though it is a Moffat story in the RTD era, so yeah. So it's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Speaking of actually, this is a good time to bring it up. did anyone actually read the that short story that he wrote? No, Not I didn't. Yet. Not yet. It's apparently no. it's 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 actually brilliant. Like I fucking loved it. Uh, wonderful stuff. Is it clever? Is it clever, Joey? You know what? You know what I will say. It is actually. It's clever. so weird. For some reason, Moffat. It's so clever. Moffat when he when Moffat writes a story for a Doctor that's not his, it's great. Seriously, like Moffat as like, a guest yeah. writer is Moffat Night, Night of the Doctor, best. and that yeah. short story, and then Eccleston and Tennant. All of his episodes are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Although to be fair, twice upon a time's the ex- the only the only exception is oh yeah, twice upon a time. But then also the, the, I don't like, I don't I don't blistering like sore day of the on that point. Yeah. Oh, Day of the Doctor is a bit of a that's yeah, I I, still a I, Smith I like, story. To be fair, yeah, or no, but yeah, but I'm saying like I don't like Tennant's characterization in Day of the Doctor. Dang, really? That was one of the episodes I don't mind him in. Yeah, so so. All right, so let's move on to. Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel by Tom McRae. Uh, Dylan, I want How you to be you do that from beyond the grave. <laughs> beyond I, the grave. I don't quite understand. I think we should let Dylan start with this. Uh, yeah, I, I really want Dylan to start with this. I want to hear him. Why, why do you want me to start with this? So, oh, because uh, I feel like you're the one I've, I've most... Uh, like That I'm surprised really enjoys this story. Oh no, yeah, this one's a lot of fun. I kind of like it for the same reason. I like Star Wars Episode 3 in the sense that it's the perfect mixture of genuinely good writing and hilariously shit moments that are just memeable <laughs> and with such hammy, ridiculous dialogue that you just can't help but love it. So there's all sorts of really dark and great moments with like a lot of the cyber conversion stuff and taking homeless people off the streets and things like that mixed in with just... <laughs> Such ridiculous bits of dialogue. The lion sleeps uh, tonight. Uh, I mean, honestly, like you know, I don't like how the Simon are portrayed in this one particularly. Some of the horror stuff leading up to before this, like the two and including the cyber conversion stuff, is great. But once they become Simon, they're just kind of stupid because they just stomp around and literally the sonic screwdriver can make them go away. It's yeah, it's yeah, bullshit. Not, I don't but like that moment either. Everything. Everything else in it with the Cybermen is good, though. Once Before they become the Cybermen, it's all great. And it's got some great world building. It's got lots of great side characters. Um, it, it feels almost like a classical episode. And I love the fact that it's very much by part two, they're in this, you know, world, this kind of world crumbling situation. 
and they've got to sneak around and get out of it. It's just a fun yeah. ride. I Another, really an, enjoy it. I agree on this. Also, on, t- on top of that as well, I would also say, like, I love all that stuff. I also like the Cybermen in this more than you do. And on top of that, I also like how this is almost like a, it's like a soft sequel to Father's Day as well. Mm-hmm. I well, yeah, because like you got Pete Tyler. Of course, Pete Tyler. Yeah. This, might, yeah. this might sound a bit like a hot, of a hot take, but until World Enough and Time, this was the, for me, this was the only time when you who got the horror of the Cybermen. Until well, well actually, closest, it, feel, closest anyway. Actually, now that I think about it, this was definitely planned out as an Eccleston story, right? Uh, it was a, probably. It was actually, it's a loose adaptation of spare parts. It as makes well. sense though. Well, it yeah, but I'm saying, because... but I'm saying like it was, it was, it, it, it works as an Eccleston story. First off, yeah. like he doesn't have that same dynamic with Rose that the Tenth Doctor usually has. Um, He's very because he, he is very crit- he's a lot more harsh in this. Yeah, he, definitely. He's, he's and, 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 and honestly, like I can picture picture Eccleston saying a lot of the Doctor's lines in this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it really. I think it really works. Like the scene um, where he laughs. Maybe that's why it's good. Then. That's very <laughs> right. And we have up and of course one of the standout performances in this in this episode. It's stupidly over the top, but it's I kind of love it. Um. Roger Lloyd Pack as John Lumick. It's stupidly over totally the top. Totally not Davros of the Cybermen. Certainly. Well, you, I know, to be honest, I, the, um, I the wheelchair like, thing I, was actually not meant to be in it. It's because he had an injury, so they they changed uh, it so he had a wheelchair. I don't really like. I don't oh. really like the fact that the character exists because, in my opinion, the Cybermen should not have any kind of Davros character. But he just, but his just stupidly over the top performances. I can't help. I can't help but love it. And I did notice something on this on this rewatch. Maybe I'm reading stuff into it that's not really there, but after seeing a video of, of how Tim Curry is now, I think he might may have been acting as if he has as if he has a, had a stroke, implying that implying that John Lewick has been through a lot of shit in his. In his I, life. I think that. Yeah, I, I, I thought that, that was what was exactly what it was meant to be. Like yeah, because that was the whole motivation for him to do this. Yeah, it even totally works. Like with his conversion into a Cyberman, like he's he's already part machine in a way, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, yeah. Now, I will. I will. Oh, oh go. sorry, you go first. Okay, all right. So I have a really big criticism of this, and obviously it's the Cybermen, but I'm going to take it a step further than Dylan and say I really don't like the stuff leading up to the conversion. So, like, p- part of what's really scary about the Cybermen is that it's it's the next logical step in a way. Uh, That's it's something, true. It, it, it's something that any human can do. Any Anyone can come to the logical conclusion of. And here, it, the idea is implanted into them. They're, they're literally forced to be Cybermen. They don't have a choice in the matter. It's not yeah. this unanimous decision that society comes to that like, oh yeah, this is what we should do. This is how we better ourselves. It's one big mastermind saying, uh, taking over everyone by force, making this fa- false company to uh, to implant them with cyber technology, force them all to be Cybermen, and it's just a hive mind. It really doesn't work. Well, that, so, yeah, um, so I, Joey, I completely agree with you there, and that is better but at the same time, I still think what they do here is good television. So, like, what, so, what that? Yeah, the, the I, but, but it's not. But it's is not the Cybermen, is it? No, it's not. It's, it's not it is but you can just say that from another universe. It's just a different. It's just a different kind of thing, you know. And it's yeah. sh- and it's a shite universe. Yeah. <laughs> although I can't. Although to play to play to play devil's advocate advocate here, even though I don't, even though even though the actual story of the Cybermen, <clears throat> the Mondasian ones, are is a lot more tragic and a lot and a lot more log- and a lot more logical. What I can like, what I have not what I have noticed here is through through small through small bits of dialogue, it is implied that Pete's world is in is in some sort of semi semi dystopia. Hence the and stuff like curfews, the president saying that your health food drink for a sick world. It's implied it's implied that something bad is going on despite despite it all. 
So, Connor, you were going to say something before then? Another thing I forgot to mention that I really like about this whole story is Mickey and his arc yeah. with his grandmother. I really yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. I do, and also I the do fact really that like... he... And he discovers That's... someone in this universe that has that looks exactly like him, but it's not it's not him. It's a different person with his body. Um, and I like the fact that Ricky was almost like it was kind of like what Mickey always wanted to be. But then I like the fact with Ricky's death that Mickey sort of starts to realize what his true path is. And I just love it the way he exits. I love the way he chooses to leave. It's so powerful for me. And it goes I love from fact... simp to Chad. And his yeah. and his motivation for Absolutely. leaving is is looking after his grandmother because his grandmother died in his universe. I just oh, it's so good. I like I like to add, I like I'd like to add to that. This this scene was deleted in the final episode, but it was re- but it was revealed in just when when Mickey says, "I know it's not, not easy me having the same face as Ricky, but I'm I'm a different man. I'm not replacing him." Originally, Jake Jake the other guy said, "You never could. I'll never have another boyfriend like him." All right, definitely not replacing him, but we can fight him living in his name that scene also improves jake's reaction to ricky's death earlier in the episode it makes him more powerful oh i never that's actually really cool mm. i quite like they, that they I, I really wish that. that stayed in it's mm. a great scene i really don't get why they cut it i mean probably because some, it was someone, probably because it was 2006 and maybe it was a little bit like oh should we allegedly be it was because allegedly it was because of that or or it was because of product production time but either way it should have stayed in it's only like two seconds. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it's only two lines. Like, it yeah, wouldn't I be bet a, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a production story reason because they cut it out. It's literally just two extra lines, so it's probably because of the gay thing. Yeah. If it was, if it, if this story was done today, though, they would definitely have that line in. Yep. And then Doctor Who writes and the Cybermen. Then... <laughs> I do the same thing. Doctor Who writes the Cybermen. And then Chris get rid of them immediately. Because mm. Chris Chibnall does see, have a tendency to like make gay side characters and kill them off straight away. This dumpster fire like, right, not only going to take our emotions away, it's going to take our sexuality. Although, funny enough, <laughs> they do actually head to Paris afterwards, so you never know. Maybe he turned Mickey. <laughs> but, but Dylan, don't you know? Uh, Chibnall has kept Yazel alive this whole time, and she's obviously gave her the doctor. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because Yaz <laughs> has so much personality, and I. Is it- really saw that um chemistry <laughs> there's another there's another scene in this ep- in this episode probably my favorite scene in the entire episode is this is is where the doctor accidentally break accidentally breaks the cyberman's emotional inhibitor and, and we get a bit of backstory oh, we get so a bit of backstory good. for sally for the for the woman sally Phelan. it's because of this scene alone where i say that this is the closest that new who has gotten to to capturing the horror of the cybermen until one so, time. But then you have, then, but then you have later in the episode when he breaks all of their emotional. Oh, inhibitors. I was going to bring this yeah. up. They're all just oh, like wailing, and he's like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> and then the cyber controller breaks out of his chair and screams, "No!" Like Darth Vader from Star Wars <laughs> Episode Three, and it's, it's just so me. Like yeah. that that end of the episode is meant to be so serious, but I just laughed every time. Some it's great. Also, but... Don Warrington's in this episode. Oh yeah, it's it's a small cap. It's a small oh, part, but right. I. He's, what he happens plays... if I refuse? What if I refuse? What happens if I refuse? It's a small part, but actually, but I do genuinely, I do generally like his scenes. The scene where he confront, Wait, where he's... Uh... scene where he's like, oh, so you don't think he, so... oh, so you don't think he's insane, and when he says, oh. you're fine, businessman John, but you're not God. Those, I do, I do like those scenes. 
Also, is it just me, but d- does the actor who plays the guy with the glasses who plays the lion sings tonight, uh, is, does he give, he gives me Alfred vibes for some reason? Like, yeah. You know, Alfred, because he's Cockney. Evil he's Alfred. Cockney, Michael. <laughs> There's a bunch of Cybermen, Bruce. They're all taking your cars. He was in an, he was in an episode of The Inbetweeners. Should you be revising? What does he come back? He'd hanged himself. <laughs> I do really no, like so he, I think uh, with the, th- the thing we haven't mentioned yet is just the horrific addition of a catchphrase to the Cybermen. Oh, I hate that. Still I using. I despise that. I do, absolutely despise that. I hate giving the Cybermen the delete. Oh, wait, actually, wait. Did, did Ascension... Wait. Did, yeah. yeah, they did. yeah the, the, yeah, wait, did, did, they, did they say delete? Did they? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah it's at the cliffhanger. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're like, you will be punished under maximum deletion. Delete, yeah. delete, delete. Oh, fuck. Why? Why do they have a fucking catchphrase? They, they have to get fucking dollars. I mean, that's I mean, exactly they are, they, because that's exactly merchandise, it was a cynical always, merchandise ploy. Because, I always call these ones the um, the Nokia Cybermen. The <laughs> Mainly, always, the and that's one of the reasons why. The Cybermen. I call them the Spandex Cybermen. They've got quite a pair of underwear on them. <laughs> well, at least not, well, at least they're not the lingerie Cybermen. Um, Chris, um, Chris Chibnall. <laughs> Uh, all right um, oh my god right, that came do... out the same year as this fuck let's do let's do ratings for for this story uh uh i don't know i'll go first i'll give it a i, I was gonna give it a six i'll bump it up a little bit 6.5 or a seven uh connor uh nine jesus christ dylan <laughs> I mean, you were quite generous given your misgivings about the episode. I'm going to say eight myself. I really enjoy this one. Did I have misgivings? No, I was talking about Joey. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to give it a six. I don't know. Just talking about it. There's, there's a bit more to enjoy than I remember, but more was... 6.5, I guess. Zach? I was, going to, I was going to give this one a seven, but I'm going to give it an eight now. Oh, jeez. Um, I hate two you Two more all. things I want to add on top as well. Two you have been really upgraded, well. Zach. Um, but I, but I, I refused. Lord Rassilon refused. Actually, three more things I want to add on top of that that I really Jesus like. Jesus, Carter. <laughs> Firstly, the scale. It, it's great. I love how massive yeah, that's true. it looks. Um, uh, secondly, the, the factory of the Cybermen. It looks like the factory on the front of Pink Floyd's Animals, and that's great um, symmetry because that whole album is around based around um, humans being contained and like being tossed around by the world and also the other thing i really like is um the bit of trivia the fact that the 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 actors who played barty crouch senior and junior in harry potter and the goblet of fire both are in this episode as the doctor and the main villain indeed it's it's at this time around can i just it rolls a reverse final thing i want to say okay according according to the Spare parts retrospective on the vinyl. Apparently, there's a draft of Rise of Cybermen out there somewhere that's more sim- that is more of a direct adaptation of Spare Parts. I can hope that get- script set exists. Can we get that one, please? Sorry. Please. Can oh, we oh, get that I, one, I just please? want to add something to uh, something that Connor said. So the scale is really good, and often when you who tries to do like a big scale, it just f- f- rings hollow because the episode's so short and it can't do the world building properly. This is an example of why two parts can be so beneficial to a Doctor Who story. Because if this was one part, it would be shit, and the scale would yeah. just fall, ring absolutely hollow. Uh, but it's, because it's two parts, it's just oh, yeah. It's great. You really feel like the work, like the the all the whole area that they're traveling around is actually quite big, even yeah. though it is literally yeah. just one town. The, yeah. the the scale is massive and it's convincing. 
You you feels worldwide, oh, and also Graham Harper's direction. Feels... and the yes. Graham Harper's direction and also the color grading is delicious. So mm. I'm going to say this: this actually feels more worldwide than Army of Ghosts Doomsday, even though it doesn't show the rest of the world. That's mm-hmm. fair. It's just because the, the way it's built up is just so much more effective than just like you know, um, oh yeah, there's some Cyberman in India as well, whatever. Mm. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to The Idiot's Lantern by Mark Gatiss. Connor, no. yes, of course. Yes, of course you're going to begin. Go ahead, Connor. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh. I've had a few rants on the internet about this before. I'll try and I keep may myself have expressed a bit... some misgivings for this episode in the past. <laughs> yeah. So, for those who don't know... This is my least favorite episode for the Russell T. Davies era. I think that this episode is really, really mishandled. And one of the reasons why is because it takes something quite serious, that being family abuse post-war, and turns it into a fucking cartoon. And I just don't (laughs) understand why they did this, because... The characters are completely surface level. The Doctor and Rose are like this 1950s romantic couple that have absolutely no depth. And they don't even feel like the characters we've gotten so far. The Doctor doesn't feel like the Doctor at all. He feels like this fucking teenager who's like, you hurt my Rose, now I'm going to fuck you up. It's so horrible. (laughs) And like whilst I do I do enjoy like some of the meme factor like with the wire and like the, the father and how over the top it is. And like I really like the concept of like the TV sucking your face. That's cool. Like the cold opens great. There's one I just I, I just find that this story is really difficult for me to sit through. I find it really the script is really forced down your throat and it's just obnoxious and it's just not from it's just not my cup of tea, really. I think it's just quite poor and you know there's some aspects of it that i enjoy but it's just it's so it's so annoying to watch and it's 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 just it's one of the only episodes where i really really don't like the 10th doctor i just find him so fucking irritating like i think the scene that sums it up one of the scenes that sums it up is i am talking and i'm not listening and it's just uh, really over the top and painful to watch. And also another thing I don't like is that how um, the Dutch angle spoil the atmosphere because this setting has quite um, quite a cool atmosphere going for it. But then every shot is so tilted it feels like I'm going to vomit. It's like oh, it's just oh, it's, there's so much wrong with this, and I just I just don't like it. I just don't like it. You're not so, gonna lie. We're yeah, watching series two. There is actually quite a few episodes that have poor direction, and this, this was definitely this, one of them. This one's the worst yeah. one for me because it's just the Dutch angles are so like it's every shot. Every shot is a Dutch angle, and it just ruins it. Yeah, yeah the good episodes are I well mean, directed anyway. So, so it doesn't really matter. So I mean, this episode, uh, this episode, I don't completely hate it. It's I don't completely I mean, hate it either. But in terms of the Davies era, it sticks out for me. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, for me, like it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's out there. 
It's, but honestly, it's kind of fun. I, I don't know. I don't totally hate it. I think that I think Dave Tennant gives probably his most over the top performance. And instead of hating on it because it is over the top, I don't know. I just kind of laugh about it. It is. A, I'm not saying for that me, he's a for, I'm not saying me, it's bad so, acting. It's not bad acting. I just think the way he's characterized like really cuts the legs off the Doctor for me. Ten and Rose have never it, been. It, Ten and Rose have never been more insufferable than in this episode. I agree. Actually, uh, I'm gonna disagree with that I think New Earth's worse. Really. Yeah, there's as far as them being separate together, like inseparability, it, it's. New I mean, Earth. they're really, they're really silly. That's in New the Earth, Union but... flag. Yeah, they're really silly in New Earth, but in this, like, they literally go to someone's house and like invade their house. There's they're like, also, hi. There's also also something. Just fucking oh, it's so stupid how like. His, oh, his, this is like, this is a story about. Like oh, sorry. Go ahead. In sorry. regards to. In, you mean you've pretty much hit the nail on that. Connor, you pretty much hit the, hit the nail on the head. But there's something I, something I'd like to add. This pretty much romant this pretty much romanticizes 1950s Britain. I'll explain what I I'll explain what I mean because a lot of the progress in there was actually well, is complete bullshit. Nothing at nothing really changed that much in the 50s. It didn't just sun it didn't just suddenly become look su- suddenly become amazing and progressive. And that's what they're trying to treat. And that's what they're trying to treat as that like like Mr. Colony Colony being the exception to the rule. And no, everything should be nice now. The war's over. Yeah. I also don't think. Yeah, and and then all either. of a sudden, just as soon as he leaves, there's lots of you know black people now on the street, and it's all okay. It's his paradise. That I also don't like that. Ending. Ending. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel the moment when the son comes back to the father. I don't think that's earned because the reason why is because it tries to do something that um, would only work if you actually took it seriously. But because the father's a complete fucking cartoon caricature of a 1950s post-war army general. It doesn't work it, when they're like, go, go and see. It I mean, strange. it makes sense why it makes sense why Rose would say that because of her relationship with her father. But I just don't think it works. I don't think the redemption for the father works at all because the son, like the son going back to him, I just feel like it's ugh. He's still a di- he's still a dickhead. He starts the episode as a dickhead and he ends as a dickhead. It's, yeah, there's, there's no nothing. nuance. There's no nuance to this father. There's no redeeming qualities. He's literally just a, a horrible person. Same. I can say this episode did start up did start off the magpie electricals running gag in New Who. Oh yes. So yeah. is, isn't really it weird like what, what a what a left turn Mark Gatiss's Who takes? Because yeah. like because like even before uh, Unquiet Dead, like his stories could be pretty dark. Um, Invaders I mean, from I guess, Mars. I guess Invaders from Mars. It, it has a bit of a dark edge to it, but it, it, I guess it's the start of his his tonally lighter stories. But Nightshade is one of the darkest Doctor Who stories ever. Yeah. And, well, and, so, St. Anthony's, and St. Anthony's Fire is, I mean, I don't like the novel, but like it's it's pretty brutal. And then you've got Unquiet Dead, which which still very much stays within the Nightshade vein. It's not nearly mm. as dark, but, it, you know, it's, it's still a very serious story. And then this, which mm. is so fucking bizarre. The it, darkest it pre- thing about this is the fact that they have, um, their, their TV aerials are swastikas. <laughs> that's, the only, really? that's the only dark thing about really? it really <laughs> and i suppose the fact that their faces are taken but even that was like a bit naff i feel well, maybe, more... in the, maybe in the script it was meant to be a bit more gruesome yeah. than it came out yeah. but you know 2006 exists <laughs> yeah and even though and... even though most of the episode is shit i can say maureen lip maureen lipman as the wire even though it's even though i hate the character her like i can't really hate the performance i can't can't really hate the performance because it's just so stupid and over the top that i kind of love it yeah it's it's fun i can can, can i just say this so i was praising murray gold earlier for his amazing track in um oh no (laughs) this one has by far his worst soundtrack yeah no it's terrible five second loop that goes on it almost every point now the worst 
the worst track it's that plays horrible the, it's so annoying that's terrible that's bad but the worst track that plays is at the very end when they're reunited and he plays the acoustic guitar it's terrible <sighs> oh, it's yuck this yeah, is the one of, this is probably really the one and thing. only time you're gonna hear me like diss the davies era big time because i don't like this episode at all it's bleh. nice so, <laughs> so um, also the un- a... Rose was actually wrong about the Union flag, as anyway. Yeah, so... and besides, yeah, yeah it's wrong. And besides, she called it the Union Jack earlier in earlier in Empty Child. You hypocritical bitch! And also, I I don't believe for a moment that Rose knew all of the facts she was spouting to him. She was, well, she was... didn't know them. She she knew the wrong facts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now nah, it's bad. All right, so let's wrap this up. Let's give ratings at a 10 to 4. The Idiot's Lantern. Connor, by all means, kick us off. <laughs> so because it has meme quality, and because some of the ideas are good, and because some of the atmosphere outside of the terrible Dutch angles could have been good, I'm going to give it a very generous 4 out of 10. Jeez. Um, so I don't completely hate it, obviously. I can have fun watching it. Uh, going to give it like a 4.5, maybe a 5 if I'm generous. Uh, all right, uh, Zach. Okay, this one I'm gonna. This one, this one I'm gonna give a three out of ten. If only for only for a few meme worthy bits and Maureen Lipman. Maureen Lipman, but I just don't like this one. Mm. And Dylan. So I hadn't actually seen this since broadcast. So uh, I was worried going after what Connor said, and he was absolutely right in spades. This is utter utter dog shit. Easier two out of ten. There's not Jeez. really many redeeming <laughs> qualities in this one. And everything about it is just so aggravating, to be perfectly honest. I was annoyed from start to finish by Rose, by the music, oh, by look, the it, directing, it, by the if portrayal If I don't of like it, imagine how you feel, Dylan. <laughs> right? Oh, I despise it. I, I, that, I just, it put I, me I, off I, watching I any the, more. I love the comparison there, though. Connor's like, this is the worst RTD era episode and gives it a four. Dylan's like, this isn't even the worst RTD episode and gives it a fucking two. <laughs> <laughs> I adore uh, Dylan, it. would you agree it's one of the worst, though? Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, so let me think. I think only End of Time to the top of my head's worst, to be perfectly honest. Oh, come on. In this series, there's a worse episode. Worse episode. No. Uh, oh, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love a Monster yeah, Theater. Come on. Sorry, I forgot yeah. about those. Oh. We're, we're, com- we're coming up to them. Oh, well, we'll get to the... We'll, we'll, we'll have um, the happy days first. Yep. <laughs> so... So let's talk about The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit by Matt Jones. Dylan, I want you to start, because I know because I always oh. love hearing you talk about this story. All right, so this is classic Who done for the modern age. This is what new Who should be, in my opinion. It's brilliant from start to finish. It's got, a, a, you know, a proper two-part structure, so all of the characters get a bit of do, a bit of development. The world gets a bit of development. You get really get sucked into the atmosphere of the story. There's stakes, there's tension. There's a, a mystery which it doesn't all get uh, properly revealed, but in a way that's kind of leaves it interesting to think about. And I'll just everything about the atmosphere, everything that's set up, the world, it's just all so entertaining. Uh, and it's just got so many dynamic elements to just keep it just interesting throughout. And I love the fact that it's not afraid to go dark. Like one of my favorite scenes in You Who in general is just when um, they open the viewing porch just to see. Her body floating into the black hole. Oh, no, it's yeah. it's absolutely excellent atmospheric stuff. Uh, you got to love a bit of Lovecraftian horror sometimes. You know, personally, I'm much more of a hard sci-fi person myself, but every so often, a good bit of, you know, 
weird Cthulhu shit. It, it goes down a tree. And this is definitely one of those cases. I love this story a bit. Yeah, it's it's based on Siege done perfectly in the modern day. If there should be more new Who episodes like this, why has Matt Jones not been brought back? He did do a Torchwood. Yeah. I just bet 100% agree. I love this story. He did the one where um Owen is like a zombie. Oh, oh, that's a good. What? There's, oh, 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 oh with the first one, with the first one where he comes a, back. A day, yeah, yeah, the first one where he comes back. I think. No, 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 because no, Joe, 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 Joe Lister did the second one. Day of death. Yeah, because then so 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 he would have done Dead Man Walking, right? Yeah, yeah. Dead Man Walking. Yeah, he did that. Cool. Oh, nice. That's a, that's a great one. Also, yeah, <clears throat> I really. Also, Return of Gabriel Wolf. Return of oh, Sue. Oh, the so pit is open, and I am free. Use the word. Don't, Don't turn, turn around. around. God damn it, Zach. <laughs> Have you got a sound ball? I do. I've got it does. <laughs> Don't turn around. Also, 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 not just get, not just voice, not just praise to Gabriel Wolf, also to Silas Carson as the voice of the Ood. He does. He yeah. delivers a very delivers a very oh, friendly what and a unsettling, brilliant and unsettling concept for a doctor and unsettling monster. performance. What a such a good concept, the Ood. So also, awesome. Also, to bring yeah, this up, I mean, also, it's just a. Now we're talking about both of them. I can really praise the sound design for both for both of their voices. One, when the Ood is, and the Beast are, talk, are talking during the scene where he, where the Beast confronts all their fears, you can hear one on one channel. It's on one channel. It's Silas Carson. The other, it's Gabriel Wolf. I really, I really like that effect. Oh, cool. I think what's so great about the Ood is the fact that it brings up lots of questions that don't necessarily need the answered, but leave you to think and are ripe for further exploitation in other episodes. It's so like Planet of the Ood's a great story, and then um, they come back in the Master of Callus box set with the Derek Jacobi Master, and they're excellent in that. I mean, that just shows I how have... well this is written. The fact that just one small element of this story think, can be expanded one on the, so much. I think they're one of the best New Who monsters ever. And, like, and one it's of the, interesting yeah. because they're not even yeah. really monsters, are they? They're just mm. an alien concept. Um they're, yeah. they're designed to be. They're they're designed to be slaves, and their their potential oh, yeah. is only they're just like right barely tapped, in, tapped upon yeah. in, in this story. New uh, sensorites. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I, again, repeating everything Dylan said. I absolutely love this story to bits. It's one of my all-time favorites. I, just everything about it from. The location, like this is one of the first times we've gotten an actual alien environment in New Who, and it's next to a black hole. Like, how cool is that? Like, black holes are fucking great. Then you've got <laughs> the Ood as a brilliant concept. You've got the side cast, who are all really well-developed and really strong. Uh, you've got the um, you've got some really good direction shots, like some of the shots with, like, corridors and, um, and like, little holes and doors that, like, it pans between with, like, Toby's mirror as well. You've got some great performances. You've got scary tension. You've got some great Murray Gold music, too. I love how, like, alien Murray Gold's music sounds in this. It's like an old cello or something. It sounds like a funeral. And you've got some of, for me at least, some of the most memorable supporting characters in all of New Who. I love yes. these characters. Yeah. Like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't very often fall for, like, the, the generic, like, space soldier or, or space exploration group, but, like, these guys really stand yep. out to me. Zachary Cross Flame, uh, Ida Scott... Uh, Toby Zed, just so Mr. good. Mister Mr. Jefferson. Yeah. Then you've got the whole environment when they go down into the pit, and there's like that whole like awesome cave area, and like the big, you know, the big 
um, circle with all the markings on it, and just like, and then on top of that, you've got you got all of the moral questioning behind the doctor's beliefs and faiths, and just his just everything about the story is so awesome. It's and it's great. also well built. It's, it's also well it. built up. Like like you guys were talking about the scale of, of Rise of the Cybermen Age of Steel. Oh yeah, this for true. me. This this for me is how you properly world build. Like I feel the scale in, in the Cyberman. This part feels of it. Like this, a is, film. this is this is like a, a proper world built. Yeah, totally. It, it's yeah, it's a film. It, it has it feels like it, 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 it feels Actually, bigger than episodes that are universe wide. Because it just builds yeah. it well. Because it's all so about how you actually absolutely. develop something, not about what its real size is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it has. I really, like, I really love, I really love the, the, I really love the themes. The, the themes brought out the devil. The implication that all ideas of the devil are brought are brought about from are brought about from the beast. But even then, that is le- that's Which left completely ambiguous. Before by the demons, but <laughs> yeah, let's forget yeah, about that. I know, but it's I know, yeah, but if I, they can I do know, Atlantis twice, they can do de- the devil twice. And even then, it's complete. Yeah, it's left completely all. ambiguous. For all we know, the beast could be just spouting a load of bullcrap. For all we know, it could be like a it could be like an echo of Sutek. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just another maybe it's just another demon. That would explain Gabriel yeah. Wolf. And, and that's what, that's what, and that's what's great about this is that like it is so open ended. There aren't any definitive yeah. answers. But and also that, like that I will builds, say on top of that, like, in some ways that it, builds up the mystery even better than anything all, that that is fully explained to us. I will also say but, on top of this yeah. as well. Um, there are people that criticize this story, saying that we only like it because it's dark and edgy, but that's not the case at all. It's no. actually really, really this, cleverly this written. Extreme, what I read also extremely hopeful. I'd say one like, thing I really one I, one thing I really love as well. Is how is is well of course the misdirection being the the actual beast the actual beast beast itself is um is still is still chained up but it's the idea that it's just, that's escaping, yeah the idea yeah. escaping Toby yeah also yeah. I I love David Tennant in this story his acting is it gets to like another level here for me like especially the scene in the in when he's he's descending into the pit. And he's like, oh, absolutely. This is one up. of yeah. the few episodes. Oh yeah, I want to talk about the direction the there because, like, it, mm. this is one. Of, this is one of those scenes. Oh, you're talking about like him descending into the pit. I love that because the direction there is beautiful. It feels so desolate. It's one of those scenes, like, and shots that make me feel so empty inside. Watching him, like, I'm kind of terrified of that. that that's wonderful. It, it's so mm. perfectly it's shot. It's like he has those beautiful lines about, like, you know, wanting to jump into the unknown. That voice in the back of your mind, you know, it's like. Yeah. Weaker episodes would take turn that into a kind of pretentious, meaningless speech. But this episode yeah. knew to keep it low key. I feel like, be like I love the light. like that and um, just rely on David Tennant's acting just to really yeah. sell these few lines. And oh, it's really good. I feel That's like this story. One. This story is what the Capaldi era was always trying to be. You know. But it failed yeah. to do so a lot of the time. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Well, actually, one minor thing that does bother me in this is um, the Tenth Doctor's utter reliance on Rose. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that is the one annoying part. That's, the, that. that's the only bad. Th- that's the only bad thing in the episode. The whole ten Rose. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And, and and to be fair, like that's the only thing I don't like. And that's been Obviously, most of my criticisms it. throughout this entire podcast. It's just like, and if Rose weren't here, it'd be a significantly yeah. better story. But. Like, yeah, here it's, we are, it's, it's least annoying in this story, fortunately, but it's still well, annoying. Actually, you know, yeah, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. He still does the whole like, I believe in her. And I'm like, ah. Oh, this thing, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the to- still worse episode. I know Toby was possessed by Satan, but thank fuck he told Rose to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll actually come to bat for this in this one. I have, I've, I've stayed pretty um, reserved for the whole thing so far, but I actually really like that element of this story too. 
Um, not necessarily saying that it's a perfectly built up relationship or anything, because it isn't. But I like the way they utilized those characters and where their journey from the start of series one to now, and they used that to uh, tie into the story. I really like that. I mean, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe if there wasn't such a romantic implication there, like if him saying "I believe in her" was just referring to her resilience, then yeah, I, I could really. Yeah, I can understand that. that. But, I can understand well, that. Right. Quite, but it does have clear. a romantic undertone, so that really bothers me. I can understand that. Honestly, I I don't buy a lot of Rose's development. To be perfectly honest myself, yeah, like she still comes off as the kind of jealous, not very nice person. But I will say, like, but I will say, like, if he was just talking about her resilience, I could see like him thinking of how she came back for him in in Parting of the Ways. I I could see him thinking to certain events where she did come through, and she wasn't always a shitty person. Um, Um, Well, one thing I will say is um, one thing when I that I noticed when I most recently watched this when I did my review of it is that um, this the way Rose is characterized here very much ties into what Jackie was says eventually in the finale about her um, becoming distant from what the Rose that Jackie knew. And also another thing as well, as I noticed that there's a scene when the, when the doctor's about to descend in the elevator and the way that she's talking to him reminds me a lot of Jackie. So it's almost like it's sort of hinting that she's starting to, I suppose, grow like older. I don't know for sure, but it does. It did. The dialogue definitely felt very Jackie esque. Or it could just be shite. I don't think it's shite. I think it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and I think so I actually really uh, like um, Rose's dynamic with the Ood as well. I really like the scenes where, like, when she's going to get the food and she's like asking the Ood questions, and the Ood is like. Um, the beast will awaken and kill you all, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually a, that was actually. <laughs> I, just, I just love the oh. bit where, where where she's talking to the slave race that's being held on the ship against their will, and she just starts making fun of their name. Oh, it's another. There's a, <laughs> it's so ood. <laughs> oh, there, there is one. There so is one clever. thing I also want to also want to bring up. One, it's it's probably the only real comedic bit in the episode. The 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 the, the, op- the opening where they're all like, "We must feed." Oh, we must feed. Oh, yeah, they mean us, and then we must feed you if you are hungry. What? We apologize. <laughs> I thought that was, actually, that was actually a pretty good opening yeah, gag. Quite good. quite good. All right, so let's do ratings out of 10 for The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. Let's kick it off with Dylan. Uh, solid nine. It, I mean, you know, I am tempted to give it a 10, but I don't know. I, I, there's, I don't give many stories a 10 out of 10, so it's by no means an insult to give it a 9. Like, I did it on Twitter, really. There's probably only about seven stories in all of If TV you liked Rose more, would you give it a 10? Maybe. If Rose, if Rose wasn't in this, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, I just think Donna's all right. I, I'm not, I'm not oh, a massive Oh, wow, fan. okay. All right, so uh, I'll, I'll agree. I'll give it a nine. Uh, Zach? I'll also give it a nine. And Connor? Ten. All right, then. Uh, let's move on to everyone's favorite, Shit. Love and okay. Monsters by Russell the Davies. I would like to start this, actually. Um, okay. Un- un- unless someone else is, is really adamant about it. No. Let okay. me be your pavement slab, Joey. Save the best for last, for me. <laughs> we have quite, um, a, bit. We have quite um, a bit of a love life. 
So I, <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I, like many people, used to really fucking hate this one. Uh, but I've come around to it as of late. I, I still don't think it's a great story. It's, it's far from even a good story. But I don't know. I think there's a lot to be enjoyed here. I mean, you know, the, the viewpoint here is through the character of Elton. And I think he's where my all of my enjoyment of this episode comes from. I think he's a really nice, sympathetic character. Uh, I think him as a viewpoint, uh, viewing the Doctor's life and viewing all his friends really works because, uh, because he's... Mm, I want to avoid saying average, but he is average, and he is he is that viewpoint. But also, I I do really I forget the actor who plays him. Um, um, I, oh, I do, um, what's like his Mark face? something, uh, isn't it? Mark Mark something. Mark uh, mm. Mark. Let's call him Mark I, Elton. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Mark Elton as Elton, uh, <laughs> I think he's quite good. Uh, he, he's he's legitimately charming. Uh, I like getting to know him from the beginning. Uh, I, I, Funny I, I do. The things I you don't think about with your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like his logs. I, I I do like watching the video logs at the beginning. I think getting to know his character. He he's just it's enjoyable. And the episode doesn't really go downhill until um uh fuck what's his name now I'm blanking on it the villain uh, Mr Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy, that's it. The episode doesn't really Victor go downhill Kennedy. until he joins. I mean, it gets a little bit cringy as, as Linda starts it's, to it's form Victor a bit Kennedy, more as a group. Zach. Not Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy's a wrestler. Whatever. <laughs> Ian Levine. Let's just call him Ian Levine. <laughs> Ian Levine. <laughs> Ian Levine is the absorber laugh. Ian Levine yes, is the kid. Is. The kid yes, is. Ian Levine is the kid oh, that, that submitted I've the absorber laugh I've absorbed all missing episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Balstrak. He's Balstrak. Mm. Marco Polo tastes like chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, but really, Love and Monsters for me, I think, is an episode that just—it's a story of continuously going downhill in quality. (laughs) Mark Warren. Um, But there's a lot. Mark Warren. That's it. There's a lot to enjoy from the beginning. And uh, actually, one thing, one aspect that I do like about it, even though it's later in the episode, is um, Elton getting to know Jackie and. you know, despite her ulterior motives, I think I like his yeah. evolution. Just looking, 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 looking beyond his mission of just trying to find out more about the Doctor and becoming a more sympathetic character. I, I enjoy his journey. It's just Choose- done in a really shit way by the end. Choosing pavement slabs over council estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll I'll mention something that I I'll mention something. I'll first get. Get out of the way. What I like, what I like to, what I like in this episode, sort of. I kind of like what it's trying to do, like having the, like having Linda be sort of a metaphor for a metaphor for the different types of Doc, Doctor Who fans, like the people that are just having people that mm. would just meet up, see it in different, see the show in different ways, and then there's of course that one fat bastard. <laughs> we've already we've already mentioned his name, who ruins it for everyone. But the thing say, I don't, you got to guarantee really... Bliss would definitely be a Moffat fan, wouldn't she? Yeah, she would be. Anyway, um, the point. Anyway, now to the stuff that I don't re- that I don't really like. I'm sorry, I don't re- I don't really like Elton that much. I think he's annoying and whiny. Oh no, I love him. I'm. I'm I try, but he has a few meme worthy moments, which I which I which I do like. But I I. Oh no, Elton's I don't, far more than meme worthy. I don't really I don't really like him that much, and the and all and all the supporting cast. But and of course, Zach, once have once you, what's it, Zach? Have you ever seen the undateables? I've seen bits of it. Um, um, but, I feel like some of the and, characters in this remind me of that show. <laughs> then we, 
then of course and then of course Victor Kennedy and the absorb and the absorbaloff which I tried I actually I tried to look at it through a different through a different lens I tr- I went into this episode wanting to like it but I just couldn't I just found it too bloody irritating although although was actually designed but was actually designed thanks through through a blue peter competition by channel pup submitted oh, yes. by Ian Levine yep <laughs> by, yes sorry channel pup it was Ian Levine <laughs> oh but there's but, but but there is actually a few in, so, some interesting trivia I'd like to say about this there was going to be some that Elton was going to see some classic events like the Loch Ness monster rising oh but, really but, but Russell, yeah. but Russell, decide, Russell decided to cut that it out. It would have been too obscure, I think. Yeah, oh, that's fair. It's just like how in Turn Left they were considering that, and also in End of Time they were also considering it too, but they decided yeah. not what to. Were they, what were then they going to do in uh, Turn Left? What were they going to um, include? Uh, I think they were going to include like events that had happened on Earth like um, recent to that time period. I don't know if that makes sense. But... You see, it would have actually been earned in an episode like Turn Left or Love and Monsters. Yeah, we get that all the time. Unearned in the Muffat era, where it's just yeah. annoying. It would have actually yeah. been cool in the RT yeah, era, think, whereas we just get I it all we're, the we're, time. Where you actually set up the, the these scenarios and situations where, like, Maybe where the characters can experience other events from Classico and it wouldn't be seen as fan wanky. Yeah. Well, I think just maybe Davies being... thought that maybe like fan new fans wouldn't understand the references, so it wasn't there wasn't yeah, much point putting it in there. Also, one thing maybe I'm being a little harsh on this case, but how come this how come this Lithian spaceship? in Elton's flashback looks better than in Aliens of London. <laughs> because it's a new shot. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they had to use new CGI. But, yeah, but I don't I don't really I don't really maybe I maybe I'm missing something, but I don't really like the way the episode is edited, especially with the random ELO tribute videos sprinkled. Oh you throughout. don't like that? It's a lit- it feels a little disjointed. Oh uh, I mean it's meant to be disjointed because it's a vlog. I know, but it just doesn't work for me. Maybe you just don't yeah. like vlogs. I, one weird thing I do actually kind of like in this is I do like the the use of Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> I do. Too. Yeah, I think it's quite good. It was, Dylan I hasn't did... said anything yet. Dylan? Uh, what, for this episode? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Love and Monsters? The best episode um, of all time. I just don't <laughs> care. Like, uh, it's just kind of <laughs> crap, but I don't really care. Oh, what's well, the matter? I'm surprised, I'm surprised, I'm surprised, so I'm surprised soon, you don't son. have a strong opinion on this. <laughs> you, seem, you seem to have a similar opinion to the mainstream for once, Dylan. Well, no, no, because the mainstream yeah, I mean, like absolutely despises it. Dylan just kind of has. Not true, difference. I suppose. Yeah, yeah I, I'd, I'd probably say like you know, it does have some noble intentions, some interesting intentions, but it doesn't work at all, really. But it's not that bad. Probably like four out of ten or something. So there's worse. But there's, it is also shit. You okay, Dylan? Of course, he's, I think he's tired. The cherry on top okay. of the bullshit is that he's, is he's the already gotten the Satan shit out the way. He doesn't have to put any more energy into it. Yeah, okay. pavement slab blowjob complete. Now yeah, I've got nothing more to say on series two. Um, <laughs> is oh, come on, to... hear her, scribble monster. We'll talk about oh, that God. in a bit. Yeah, um, I mean, uh... is it time for my tongue bath? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Connor. <laughs> oh, no, um, you're not going to praise this episode, are you? Dylan, if you remember, I actually <laughs> you know have he's done the praise. It. So, Jesus um, Christ, you just yeah, had a Shay so, with season 24. Well, Shay loves this episode too, Dylan. Yeah. yeah he anyway. just likes it because it's got the um, ELO in. 
<laughs> oh my god okay anyway um those who have seen my channel know how i feel about this episode i love it i love this episode it's one of those ones when i was a kid that i was one of those kids that where everyone around me was like "Ooh, that was such a yucky episode why did you like that and i i always thought it was all right and then every time i've watched it since then it's just gotten better and better and better and i think it's probably one of the one of the main reasons why is just how much I gel with the sense of humor because uh, this episode is very um, focused around its comedic style. And one of the reasons for that is it's obviously a vlog, but also the way it's edited is, is intended for comedy. And one of the, one of the moments that I think really defines this is when Elton has been sent by Victor Kennedy to go out and find Rose or Jackie or whatever it is. And, and he's like, I'm looking for the one girl in this, planet that can lead me straight to the doctor and then it just cuts straight to this old lady going oh that's rose tyler and it's just like that kind of comedy yeah. is something i really enjoy yeah. um the other aspect that i think is really strong in this episode for me is jackie i love love jackie in this i think oh, yeah. she's, she's honestly this honestly i think this is her best episode for me I, actually I'll, I'll agree with that i will 100%. she takes center stage she takes center stage she's hilarious you get the brilliant scene in the laundromat when she's like here we are complete strangers and i'm flashing you my knickers and it's just love for me that, that just and I love Elton's like back back on like the comedic elements of this, like the comedic cutting of it. I love Elton's inner monologue. Like every time he says, like, okay, well, step one, do this, and then like Jackie just immediately blows that out of the water. Oh, brilliant. So brilliant. And then also it. like so it ties into her like comedic side with her being a very flirty um woman, right? And that's that's funny. And we've that's there's, been built up to by like the Satsuma thing and all there's that. Something and, like, I wanna, there's something as well I wanna I wanna I want to I want to bring up. I mean, because recently because recently there was the new lives of captain jack set the first the first story was with jackie and it and it plays into her theme of loneliness and with this episode as well after she well loses loses the will to have sex with elton after after getting after getting a call from <laughs> i like that wording she loses the will to have sex she's lost the will to live <laughs> yes yes she got, yes she just got choked by hayden christensen anyway moving on uh, as I was, as I was going to say, um, um, well, crap. I was, um, yeah, well, oh, yeah. It, because during that scene, Zach is it, dead. It, it plays onto her theme of loneliness. Plays onto the fact that, mm. that despite every, despite everything, she's a, she is a, she is a, she is a lonely woman. Oh. That's something I love about it. I love the fact that not like, it starts off as comedy, but then it eventually it actually it's revealed that this comedy is it's pretty much masking the the real. <laughs> factor to it in the sense that jackie is feeling very lonely and this is something that i think russell t has brought to the show that no that no one had before in the sense of like what happens to those family members at home when they lose that person that goes with the doctor and i love how he uses jackie to show the consequence of that in the sense that because rose has decided to go with the doctor she's now lonely you know mickey's in a parallel universe um her husband's dead and she's just lonely and i i think that's really compelling and i i like i really like the scene where she finds out that Elton was only with her to find the doctor. And I like how she just completely rips into him. And I just, I just find that really compelling for me. Jackie is the strongest element of this episode. And the thing that really brings up for me on top of the fact that it's also a story revolved around what happens to random side characters that usually get thrown in the bin in Doctor Who. And also um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an episode about Doctor Who fans as well. Um, just there's so many elements that nice. I really like. You know what would have been quite nice if if they hadn't killed Kyloff and Rose if this was about him. 
Yeah, yeah. He yeah, that would have been, been that would have been a, that would have been a much better story. Yeah. He would have really fit in, I feel. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I just there's something about this episode I can't explain what it is. It's really difficult because this majority of people hate it, and I they don't really relate. But I just there's something magic about this episode for me, and it just works. I find the the whole you know the whole concept around it just it it's so awesome and like it it's one of those episodes that really works for a short um structure as well it's okay. uh, it's you know one of the ones that is designed to be 45 minutes and um on top of that i know you don't like it zach but i love um victor kennedy i fucking i think he's so hilarious oh, i love the no. i love oh, the whole God. i love the whole thing about his eczema it's just so fucking funny that was it uh, like, he's, that scene where he's like oh I could kiss you, but of course I can't. Although, <laughs> I do kind of, I do get kind of a laugh at the meme-worthy lines. Of course, the "What's the matter? You giving up so soon, son?" <laughs> like, he's not, he's not even, he's not even the worst thing in the episode. In Zach, I could listen to you quote the absorber laugh all fucking day. God, <laughs> don't do with a impression yeah. of him. You and like, double I'm with just, aliens. Now meet not... the genuine article. Any, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I was, go I was going to say. He's not even the worst thing in the episode, in my opinion. And I know they're not even in it that much. It's the Doctor and Rose. They're the worst thing in this episode. That fucking you upset my mum scene. I hate that. Oh. oh, wait. You know what I do actually quite like? Uh, now that you brought up the Doctor, I like the the twist of um uh of Elton seeing the Doctor as a kid. I do quite mm. like that. Also, I also like the um the met like um watching retrospectively the fact that. The shade that could have killed his mum might be the the Vashna Narada. I'd rather not reveal. Oh, leave that yeah. to the imagination. Yeah, that's that's possible. Because 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 she was next to a bookshelf when she died. She, yeah, it could be that it could be the thing, it, or it could be the thing from Midnight. Maybe it, it could be that too. Know. Yeah. All right, we've, been, talk from we've talk been talking about love and monsters for, far longer than anyone. I just want to put. I just want to put in perspective. So. I everything that people hate about this episode, I like. Everything. I love it. I think and, the... And, and, and you, one, one might say you and Love and Monsters even have a bit of a love life. Yes, we do. I, uh, the, the, More slackly to find you, you are the pavement slab to Russell T. Davis, Connor. <laughs> the the, um, the love for me is the ultimate punchline, and the fact that like, there's that whole scene where he's like, what's the twin planet of Rexachorical Phalabatorius? Clom. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. No, no, I spit on them. We hate them. We spit on them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, oh no! The I, I, I don't know. Oh, Jesus reason. fuck! No, I don't want to talk about Love and Monsters anymore. I'm stopping this now. Let's do ratings out of ten. Connor. Nine. Fuck that. Okay, you know what? I'm, what? Okay. I was I was gonna give it a six. But you know what? I fucking love this. I'm gonna give it a seven. All right, yes. Zach. <laughs> you know Jesus what? Christ! <laughs> Even though come join I... us, come <laughs> join us. You know, on, Zach. Come on. Listen, listen. Okay, let me finish, please. Even though I said I hate this episode, I do still not like it. But I can laugh at it, and it's and this is genuinely been fun to talk about. So I think I'm gonna at least give it a five. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, Yes. All right. Go on, Dylan. Give it a ten. So, so because because the ratings have been so high for this episode, I'm gonna balance that and give it zero. Oh, oh. Fuck. <laughs> perfectly balanced as it should be, Dylan. Oh, fuck that. No. All right. Let's move on to Fear Her by Matthew Graham. Zach, I would like you to start on this one. <sighs> 
Now this one, unlike Love and Monsters, has no fun value aside from that I'm reporting you to the council guy. This episode is just is boring. It's dull. The child acting is annoying. The side characters are annoying. It's a it's a stupid plot line. And we could have got something better written by Stephen Fry. Wait, Zach, are you saying that you have a problem with the child acting in this episode? Racist. Fuck <laughs> off. You realize okay, this is a fine. You want me to be act. like that? Okay. Okay, there is too many child actors in this episode, and I can't believe Dr. Na- <laughs> Dr. Nasty Tennant has gotten all this anti-single flower agenda into my fucking cartoon. And anyway, um, what I was going to... Anyway, I got completely sidetracked there. I don't really have a strong opinion <laughs> on this episode, but if there's one thing I genuinely love, it's Kel. He's, he's, a fun, he's a fun side character, and I'm reporting to the council scene genuinely gets a laugh out of me. <laughs> Right, so I've got some stuff to say on this episode. So, the first we have the dark side, where this episode literally fails on every single level as a piece of television. It's a shit idea. The actors in it are shit. The director's shit. The way it's written is shit. The way it's executed is shit. And just, there's not really any redeeming qualities whatsoever. But on the other hand, on the light side, <laughs> it is so funny. That I love it. I love watching it because it's such a complete and utter disaster that it's just so fun to watch. I don't I mean, literally, the, the Scribble Monster. The Scribble Monster is a monster in Doctor Who because of this episode. How can you not love it? I'll just. I think. I, I think Sponge that was Bob the first time after, after, I, after I first after I first met you, Dylan. I think that was the first time I'd ever seen you properly rant about something. Was the fucking Scribble Monster, which I which I have seen spelled out in caps in front of me many a time, thanks to you. <laughs> it's 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 been genuinely entertaining watching you rage over fear her over the years. Um, oh, but, but no, it, it's I mean, funny to watch though. The Scribble Monster is just like so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Cancel X. I cancel van. Now you're digging up a cancel road. I'm reporting you to the cancel. Now, when is he going to get a finish set? I just can't. Wait, is, is everybody here this. seen the? Is everybody here seen the Kel the Councilman political compass? Yes. Or like authoritarian <laughs> left is like I'm reporting you to the council. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, oh, there's that know, racist I, I... joke as well. You notice that? <laughs> like, it's all his fault. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! What's the racist joke? When that woman says it's, she points at him and says, it's people like him around here. It's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be council workers, but unfortunately, we all know what they really meant. Oh. How, no. how, did, Ru- how did Russell get away with this? Never mind. So... I don't know. I, I can't get any enjoyment out of this one. I mean, like, it, it, it's funny. The Scribble Monster is funny. Chloe Weber's a fucking meme, but, like... It just doesn't. Also, this is one of those episodes that I that I particularly cannot stand. The Doctor and Rosen, they are really awful. Really, yeah. I yeah. despite huh. it, especially especially after the uh, especially after the whole plot is resolved and they meet back up together and they and they just I just hate them acting together. <laughs> really, cake? I, I, I really Come like on, Joey. Don't you want cake? 
Well, actually, I actually really like that whole cake thing, like how at the start, oh, and then, and then he also has this really, fascination with really, ball bearings, and then at the end he you, eats a cake with ball bearings. You know bearings. that, you, you know then, you know they keep on trying to split us up, but they never ever will. Yes, yeah, that's never, the part ever. I really hate about it, is they're really forced foreshadowing of Rose's exit, and they constantly like, do it in this, oh, I hate it. How, so what exactly did they see? It was bloody fireworks. A storm's coming. It's fireworks. <laughs> it's fucking. I'm to be fair, really I'm pretty sure that's masks. not meant to. I'm pretty sure that's not meant to tie into the fireworks. I know, but whatever it is, it's. It's you know how there's the that whole thing in in the first you know in Rose in the first episode of series one where he's like the earth is turning and I can feel it. I think it's meant to tie into that. Well, it doesn't. It's all it really focuses on is the is is Ten and Rose looking at the fireworks. Right. I'm really getting angry over trivial things. I, to be honest, this episode may just pause me. I'm just getting angry at stupid stuff now. Well, I've got an interesting perspective on this because I used to hate it for a long time. I used to hate this one, and the last time I watched it, when I went to review it for my channel, I went into it and be like, "Oh God, it's fear here. Oh God, it's fear here. Fucking kill me." And then I watched it, and I actually weirdly enjoyed it, and I don't know why. <laughs> But like ironically, it's cause of, right? It's because of it's cause of Kel the man in the council van. Oh, he's the best part, yeah. But I just I don't know, it's it's really like improvised. And I think there's something about that that he charms in... me, the fact that it's an, the entire thing just feels improvised. He was in love actually with Chris Marshall, the would be thirteenth. <laughs> it, do it does actually. Mm. No, you're and right that it does just unlike, feel improvised. Um, like, unlike, like David Tennant's random Vulcan salute. And unlike you, Joey, I actually do, even though it is extremely surface level, I actually do enjoy the Doctor and Rose in this. I actually uh, find oh, them no, very entertaining. Especially, it, man. Nah, dude, I love it. It's it, 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 the, um, the Doctor in this, it reminds me of like, it reminds me of like Graham Williams era Tom Baker, like just how just silly he is. It's very, I mean, it's very surface level. He has no depth at all, but yeah. I don't know. I just find it fun. It's v improvised, bizarre comedy, and I just like it it's, much more than Idiot's Lantern, in my opinion. Yeah, at least they're not as insufferable as Idiot's Lantern, but they're still yeah, pretty. In Idiot's Lantern, like here's the big. I think objectively speaking, they're pretty. They're pretty like the same episode, basically. Ones in the past, ones in the future. Except the reason why I enjoy this more is because Idiot's Lantern's script is very forced down your throat whereas this one i feel is a little bit more relaxed like if you compare the scene at ears lantern when they go to they go to the colony colony's <laughs> house and they're like hi and they like invade the house and fucking they like attack them with words whereas in this when they go to the the house in this they're just very casual people just saying hello you know well, there's something you, you else know, reminds like, me there's something we haven't talked about yet the dad the oh, abusive yeah. scribble dad coming to life. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That was bad. Yes. All right, Connor. That was just bad. You're all right. It. it is it is not as bad as the idiot's lantern. That's not a very high bar to set. Yeah. Oh, I don't think this is a good episode. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying how I is this well, no, 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 no. how is this better than the idiot's lantern? Come on. Because it's more fun to watch, Joey. I'm coming. I mean it is more fun to watch, but this is worse. But no, but I'm just saying like Ten of Rose are just annoying, man. I'm not even going to argue with you, because I know that you'll, I'll never change your mind, but... Christ, I can't stand I'm it. not saying they're good. I'm not saying that they're well-written. I just find them enjoyable to watch. I just like the improvised humour, you know? Like, there's that bit where they... There's that bit with a cat, and... And, and, and the... 
it's just fucking funny it's how like, there's a cat in a box and then it disappears and the doctor's like, it's just also, really there's funny. There's one thing that I don't get. How exactly did the Chloe's dad scribble wants to be defeated? Were they literally just, was he literally just killed oh, by Kookaburra sings on the old gum tree? It was the power tree? of love. It was the power of love. Yeah. <sighs> now, no right, James Corden. There was no James everyone, Corden around to everyone, do that. I'm going to stop this discussion on fear right now. And we're all going to give ratings out of 10 in our best Chloe Weber impression. First up, Zach, what is your rating out of 10 for fear? You sound like an Don't ice me. warrior. You just sound like an ice warrior. Don't make me rate Chloe Weber. I love Chloe Weber. So I report you to the cancel. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. Two for the two days I worked on my cancel road. <laughs> All right, uh, Dylan, your rating. I can't be asked to do a voice. Uh, I mean, just, go, just, just keep look, 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 look. I do find this an enjoyable episode to watch, just because it's so uh, terrible. No. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I can't go past the fact that it literally fails in every single regard in terms of how to make television. So one out of ten. Excellent. I'm going to give it a two. Connor? <laughs> Connor, I fucking swear. <laughs> Wait, if this is higher than give, a, a if five... You this th- a, th- if you give this a fucking eight... <laughs> above. I'm not a retard, Zach. Good. <laughs> you just you sound like one earlier when you were like, oh, <laughs> the cat goes in the box and then it goes, wee. <laughs> Well, if you give this a high rating, I'm reporting you to the council. <laughs> um, on my channel, we have this thing called the David Tennant cocaine meter. And in every episode, we, we say how much cocaine he's been taking. And this is the one with the most cocaine because he's standing there. And he's in like the kitchen and his body's completely still. But his eyes are like, yes, yes, we can help you. <laughs> He's, there's also the scene where he, he licks out of a jar. It's very weird. This also, Connor, I think you're random... stalling. What's your ra- I think you're stalling, Connor. What's your rating? Oh, out of 10 I'm gonna fear? give it five ball bearings on every cupcake. <laughs> Fucking hell. Five. Listen, you're giving we, before, this absolute disaster we... of five. Well, let, let before me put, we move me, on, here's my thinking. I gave Idiot Slanton a four. And this, in terms of quality, I feel is about equal with Idiot Slanton, except yeah, I enjoy yeah, yeah, it. You're literally five. saying that in terms of quality, this is average. No, because average is, the, is six. This is the, no, average, average is, is not six. Five. Nah, for me, average is six. Six is above average. Okay, how about well, this? It's, it's better than the Edit Science, and it's not as good as Fear here. Sorry, not fucking, not as good as New Earth. That's what I meant to say. Right, right. Well, yeah, but it, th- these should all be lower because this nah. is not the average quality. Nah, because now nah, I've left a, I've left a big gap at the bottom for the Moffat era. Alright. Listen. If we move on, this, this, this story made looms non-canon. There the are episodes in the Moffat era that, that are as right. bad as this, except I don't enjoy them, whereas I enjoy this. Well, I mean, I kind of enjoy watching this, but when something is just a complete failure in every single regard... I don't think it is, actually. I, I would actually disagree with that. I think some of the improvised comedy is actually quite clever. Like, there's that okay, scene no, where... No, 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 no. It, it can, no. The improvised comedy can be funny, but, like, not at all clever. Come on. No, no. Okay, what about the scene where the doctor's about to walk out the TARDIS and it's, it's the wrong way around? That's pretty funny. Yeah, okay, I'll agree with that. that. That's quite funny. But that's yeah. not improvised. And I'm well, reporting you. Yeah, and of course, the, and of course, the best scene in the entire episode. The we've already, I've already talked about this in depth. The, yeah, I'm yeah. Reporting the, the council, council scene. scene. That's great. I love that. Yeah. 
a lot of fingers on lips. And then we have the doc and then we have the doctor saying he was a dad before. I am very I'm so sorry, Lung Barrow. I'm so sorry. Oh shit. Right. I'm happy Jacob's not on this. More like actually, the I mean, doctor no, is okay, the daddy issues that Rose Zach, feels. Jacob. Zach, unless you've actually read Lung Barrow, you cannot talk about its, its canonicity. Lung Barrow is still canon. Let's move on. So, the Army of Army of Ghosts and Doomsday by Russell T. Davies. Who would like to begin? Mm. I'm scared. Connor, I'm Connor, scared you're gonna to... you're... begin. Yeah. Connor. I feel like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. I don't hate the story, so so you may receive less hate than. No, than I know what you hate about the story, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, fair enough. Once we'll, we'll I'll rage when we get to, I'll I'll rage on it when we get to that. But most of the story I don't think right. is that bad. Well, I love this story to bits. I I absolutely adore it. I think. Let's begin with part one, which I think is just a bona fide classic build up episode. With I just fucking love the way the Cybermen infiltrate Torchwood. It's just oh, it's so good. I love the way it combines the the fact that the Cybermen are. Basically, they've managed to find a way to sleeve through, and they're hiding inside Torchwood and converting people behind the scenes, right? Um, and that all ties into the fact that Yvonne Hartman is this... Um, she's this very nonchalant boss that's not paying attention to what's happening under her nose. She's she's great. and I Yeah, she's she's brilliant. And I Tracy, love the way... Tracy Ann Oberman's amazing in the plot. Yeah, and I love the way that they... Russell T manages to find a way to blend his like I suppose you could say it's like a soap opery style with Doctor Who in the sense that you've got this storyline with these side characters that are like emailing each other like oh you want to fancy a shug and and th- and that leads to Cybermen conversion I love that it's oh it's so unique and then on top of that you've got the whole thing with the sphere and um the mystery around the sphere and I just love the way the Doctor I think David Tennant is fucking brilliantly strong as a performer in this story. I think he really comes into his own. He's so good at delivering exposition. And this is like the antithesis of Chibnall, because in this story, the exposition is actually really interesting. Mm. The way that the Doctor explains about the sphere, about the parallel universes, about like the bacteria that attaches to you when you pass through. It's just all great sci-fi um and i love the way this also ties in with um you know ties in with the cyberman two part we got before as well you know with bringing in pete and then we get that beautiful scene with jackie and pete um in part two which i just oh it's one of those scenes that has always been quite powerful for me just like the whole build up from the start all the way from like jackie at the beginning and then we get father's day and then all the way to here where you've got both of these people they're the respective versions of their partners are dead and they find each other. And it's weird. It's absolutely weird. But for some reason for me, it just works so well. And um, on top of that, you've got like just the whole infiltration of Torchwood. You've got Mickey and how he um, passes through the universe. And like he, I love the scene where uh, Rose has the psychic paper and Rajesh says, oh, we've been trained to look through disguises. And then Mickey's right behind him. <laughs> it's just brilliant. And one of my favorite cliffhangers in all of Doctor Who, when the Daleks come at the sphere, I just, I, oh, it's powerful, powerful stuff. I agree on that. This was, this was at a time when the return of the Daleks was actually shocking. 
until yeah, it was amazing until, until, and they, then, until they were using every yeah. series and then we get part two when it's not only revealed that these are daleks but like the whole introduction of the cult of scaro is such a brilliant idea like this higher um intelligence breed of daleks that were in the time war that stole this time lord technology and just it's so everything about the story is just it's just what i love about this show and Can i take a moment to praise nicholas briggs as the cult of scaro i think these are some oh, of the best dialogue yes. voices he's done oh, and you get you get the bitch fight of canary wharf which is a famous <laughs> scene that has yeah. gone viral i love that scene i, I know it's completely fan service but i don't care i love it fucking um daleks have no concept of elegance this is <laughs> obvious you yeah, are also better in one respect. You are better at dying. You would destroy the Cybermen with four Daleks. We would destroy the Cybermen with one Dalek. Anyway, what I was gonna, what I was going to say is, I really, I really like Dalek Sec in in this story. Anyway, before he became a penis monster in in this. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I still like him. In, I love him. I like. Too. I like I like him here, and I, I especially love Nicholas Briggs' delivery of all four of all of the Cult of Skyro members have Dalek sec talking in a more regal tone, yeah. Dalek they talking like what most like a normal Dalek. Social Dalek, interaction will cease. Dalek just Dalek Dalek just having a high pitched voice and Dalek gone low voice. It was it was a nice way of giving all four of them different I mean, personalities. It is very cartoonish, but for some reason it's just completely up my alley. Yeah. Um, and also, now it's interesting because in the last review we did of New Who with Series 1, one of the big debates we had about the finale was the way that um, the plot resolved. And one thing that I have to say about this two-parter is that, you know, I will admit, whilst I love the stories um, of Davies finales, I will admit that some of them do use... Um, what's the word? I mean, the word Deus Ex Machina gets thrown around. I will say that they use quite a simple resolution to essentially like get the plot um, wrapped up. Like with series one, it was, it was uh, Rose looking to the TARDIS, getting Bad Wolf and then vaporizing all of them. And with like last of the timelines and journeys End, similar things happen like that. I think for the Davies finales, I think this one has the most clever resolution. Cause I love the whole thing. I'll, he built. I'll agree with that actually. He yeah. builds up. This yeah. Yeah. This one makes sense. Around. This one doesn't feel like a Deus Ex Machina. I love the way he builds up the whole concept around the bacteria that attaches you yeah. to um, attaches to you when you cross universes, and how that being introduced. Chekhov's in... Gun. Chekhov's gun. And, and, that, Chekhov's and that actually that actually goes back to your praise earlier of, of actually interesting exposition of how yeah. it's explained. And, yeah, and I love totally I love that works. scene where where the doctor is explaining about the bacteria. Um, I just love David Tennant's performance in that anyway. But I love how that creates the stakes for the rest of the story, and like how. Um, People that are invested in the characters, because obviously you lot aren't, but the people that are invested in the characters now have a reason to, I suppose you could call it like the Hitchcock method of tension of, you know something's going to happen, but you don't want it to happen. Yeah. It, it, and, it's uh, like everything's on this wire and you know... Could, and could one of the reasons why I, I use the phrase cut the onions, mistakenly squeeze the lemons. <laughs> the <other time. laughs> one of the reasons why this episode does that so well is because of how it establishes those stakes. Um, and how it so, slowly burns yeah. away like any hope of what I assume, I assume you're going to talk about the the exit next. What have you want to take well, it from here? Before I want to get to that, before I want to okay. get to that, I will talk about in part one. Another thing I really love about part one is when the Doctor is talking to Yvonne Hartman about Torchwood and um, about her plans to 
um, she's like basically opening up the switch between universes. And I love the scene where he he cracks the mirror, or not the mirror, the the window. Yeah. And he basically explains to her what's going to happen when you, when she you, uh, she does what she does, and then she she doesn't listen to him. But then there's that scene which ties into him his like manipulative side, which is something we saw in the Satan Pit when he descends, uh, the way he manipulates fucking Zachary Cross Flame to allowing him to go down instead of him by using his charm. And this, I love the way he just sits in his chair and like stares at her, and like through his just pure manipulation, it uh, it. Basically, she realizes she's like she says, "Stop it! Stop it now!" <laughs> I just I love that side of this doctor. I do. And... I think overall, like this finale is is really solid. Like I, I don't feel about it the same way I feel about Battle of Parting of the Ways, but like it's a solid story. Oh yeah, Battle of Parting of the Ways is better. The only thing the only thing that really takes like. me out of this story up until up until the very end is the Cyberman characterization, which which yeah. you know is already shit, and you know they're just this, tin robots here, but. This... Yeah. Go, but then going into the exit, like I don't even hate the exit either. Rose's the initially, like the initial scene after she's dragged into the alternate universe, I don't think yeah. it's bad. Uh, I, 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 think I really so, like, I really like the wall scene, and I, I also, I know again, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I love the music Murray Golds use in the wall scene as well. It's yeah, nice. I can. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I can actually, I can actually bring up some something interesting here. This is, it's the same. Uh, the Doomsday motif is the exact same musical motif played when Rose enters the TARDIS in Rose. So it's so it's sort of bookending that arc. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think, I think the wall scene, yeah. you know, initially after she exits yeah. is just fine. Although, but it, then, yes. Yeah. Now I will. Oh, this is the part where oh, yeah, the self-indulgence. The wall. Yeah. I can also say. Can I say what? What sort of takes me out of the wall scene, while it is effective, Billy Billy Piper cries like Toby Maguire. That takes me out of it. <laughs> That's true. She totally does. She cries like Toby Maguire. I can't. I can't. I can't unsee that. Toby Maguire would be a much better love interest for the Doctor. <laughs> uh, come on. Oh my come god! On. Come on, Doctor. It's pizza no, time. No, pizza no. time. Pizza. No, no, no. Come on, we gotta stop the Daleks. I missed the part where that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Are you in or are you out? I'll it's come you out, the out doctor. Out of your mind. You know Wrong how answer. You know how in the Davies era the TARDIS door is always squeaking? Yeah. He says, I'll come out the TARDIS when you fix this damn door. <laughs> That'll only work because Mr. Dickovich is the doctor. <laughs> yes. And J- Jonah Jameson is the master. <laughs> You want to You need rent. <laughs> the tenth You need rent. How did how the tenth doctor and Rose ro- romance in a nutshell? You are a good woman. I am good man. How did you survive uh, the time Jameson war? Is the master. We also, how did, I think, I how think did you survive say the that, time um, war? I think I think it's because safe to I say have ears like a cat and eyes. Yeah, I think you have to say though, like in terms of mean quality, the Davies era is very much like the Raimi Spider-Man films. Yep. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It has the same level of ham. Except yeah. we, don't, yeah. we haven't had we haven't had David Tennant dancing in an emo haircut to dan- drive that funky soul. <laughs> did, sorry, did you know. mean the David end of Tennant time? Is very emo. Yes. Now, what I will say. Wait, but isn't that just the end of time, though, Zach? Oh yes, it is. He doesn't dance. Just him walking. No, no, he dances. Yeah, you missed that part. Although the master in that is very similar to the Green Goblin. <laughs> I if I'd rather take I'd, 
except I'd rather have Willem Dafoe any day over John Sim Master. Anyway, you you know, Dafoe I'm something master. of a master myself. Oh my god, Willem <laughs> Dafoe is a master. <laughs> Let Neptune strike ye dead, Doctor! Hark! Do you reckon, do you reckon Willem Dafoe <laughs> would have played a better TV master than Eric Roberts? Yes. Yes. You like yes. lobster, don't you, Doctor? I always dress no. for the You're, occasion. I've, I've seen it. You're fond of me, lobster, Doctor. <laughs> Let Neptune strike ye dead, Doctor. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Best leave him be. Bad luck to kill a sea time bird. <laughs> now, to, to subvert all that pleasure um, and get back to Doomsday. Now, I. Nah, piss off. This is much more interesting. I completely understand. <laughs> I completely understand why you all hate the beach scene. Completely understand why. Um, and I also, on the review I did of it before, there was a good discussion we had in the recap about, like, um, would it have been better if there was a director's cut where the wall scene was all you got? And I think that there is some truth to that. I do believe that you could have done that. Absolutely. Uh, yes. I think I, I think, yes. I might, I think I might look yeah. back on it more fondly if that's all we got. Yes. Like, honestly, but this would be one of the best finales. Well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. This would be one of the best finales ever if the you epilogue. just stopped it there. But then the yeah. epilogue is like, yourself indulgent bullcrap. I don't know how else to put this, but I said it before, and I'll say it again. The beach scene cuts the onions. It's, 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 it's self-indulgent self bullcrap. <sighs> and I don't know... I don't squeeze the lemons more if it just been like they didn't even get to speak to each other again. Do you know the yeah, reason also, why they did it? And also, it, like, do you know like, the reason I, why like... they did it? The why? reason why they chose to do it is because Russell T um, decided not to have an ending so somber. Um, but that would be so much still... better. Like it's so much better than the bombastic ending of, of of them crying yeah, over each other's <laughs> Like yeah, it's oh, cheap it's melodrama. So I love and also, you. I, I, and also, like I don't I know how you. many times it has to be said. The doctor does not love Rose. Why well, don't I wouldn't say that he necessarily? Oh God, I don't know. I, that part of it's a bit weird, but um, I actually quite like um, David Tennant's performance in that scene, and the reason why is because he's so different in that scene to any other scene he is, and it's weird because he's so like calm. I can't hear you, Connor. C could you take uh, Russell Davis's dick out your mouth, please? <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, I, heard an well. I heard an interview where someone asked him like oh um, if you were to write another Doctor Who episode ever again what would you do he's like hmm it would either be about the crotons or the gays uh, uh, there's one thing there's <laughs> There's one thing, no matter what you think of this, Connor, um, and about, I'm just, I'm just going to um, bring this up. In about, tw in about 2014, the magazine SFX voted this scene, the fucking beach scene, as the best sci-fi moment of all time. It's now, not sci-fi, it's no. cheap now, melodrama. That is complete, I just that, that is complete bullshit. That's no, it's that that's it's, it's literally an ex an exclamation point on a story. It's it's not even it's not even meant. The thing I think the biggest problem with the beach scene and with culture as well is the fact that it's not meant to be significant. It's intended to be an exclamation point on the story, but for some reason it's treated as if it's the only thing people remember from it, and I find that weird. It's pretty. It's because people love cheap melodrama, and that's why it was put in. It's because of hum. It's because of horny. It's because of horny teens on Tumblr in in two thousand and six. If that was <laughs> if Tumblr was a thing back then, but you know what I yeah. mean. I I, I totally oh, get why you all hate the scene. Completely understand. I just like yeah. it, whatever reason. It is very also, cheesy. 
but I also like even, you know, even before you know, then, under most, under most I to... circumstances i would hate the donna uh being shoved into the end of the story but after the epilogue like it's a it's a warm welcome for me yeah especially <laughs> especially since the worst the worst companion of the russell era leaves for the to introduce the best one before she before she's a companion anyway there's one final th- there's one more thing i want to say on the beach scene. i actually have a and different the, version of that Zach. and that's the and that's the foreshadowing to it the oh, the opening the opening prologue where rose goes where rose goes on nothing happened and then she then then she says this is the story of how i died you oh, fucking yeah, melodramatic yeah. you fucking melodramatic god i hate that oh i hated you that melodramatic cunt you didn't fucking die you lost your boyfriend. That's what happened. <laughs> Zach, can you be angry like this all the time on my videos? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, geez. All right. Um, I think that about does it for this one. Let's give ratings out of ten. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven, Connor. Um. God, how how approximate can I get with the fractions? Okay, I'm going to move on to Dylan in the meantime. Dylan? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's an alright story. I don't really mind it. I'm also not its biggest fan. It's just kind of alright. Mostly fan service to be perfectly honest. Uh, 6 out of 10. Okay, and Zach? I'm going despite, to, despite my angry moment just then, I'm actually going to give this a 7 out of 10 because, it's, because despite that bullshit ending, I... Do I do think it's a fairly solidish piece of piece of sci-fi? I mean, as 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 in the as in all the tortured stuff with Yvonne and of course mm. the Daleks and Cybermen stuff. Even though I'm not a big yeah. fan of the Cyber Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say that Army of oh. Ghosts is quite good that episode, but Doomsday is just I don't really care. Yeah, I still quite like Doomsday in the very end. I actually prefer Part Two, Dylan. Really, really? I thought the build-up was oh, much. Not better by than... much though. Not by much though. No, only slightly. Also, if something uh, good. Some, am I also, something else good to come out? Something else good have, to come have, out of this? The tortured I, one, big finish audios. Yvonne, it expand. It's expanded on Yvonne, and she's a and she's an even better character. Wait, wait. I've just realised we haven't mentioned the fact that Yvonne Hartman in this episode is converted to a Cyberman. Oh, says uh, I did my yeah. G for King and Country uh, and cries. Uh, fuck, no, fuck. Off. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that bit. Anyway. Somehow she retains um, everything. Why? Because reasons. And why does she cry oil? How does how because, can a Cyberman do that? Because Bill Potts. That's why. Because Bill Potts cried, and then the Cybermen said, "We must put a tear in us." No, that didn't. That's not why it fucking happened. Well, I remember seeing a comment on the um on the Cybermen like best moments compilation that they did in the Doctor Who YouTube channel, and someone was say they're talking about the Yvonne Hartman moment where she cries oil. Can't believe I have to fucking say it. Ow. She cries oil. And they were saying, like, can we just talk about that moment? How no matter what, what's true through all Cyberman stories is that uh, is that you can stop the Cyberman if if you just if your if your emotions are strong enough, if you love enough. Like Well, that was closing time that that was. At least it's, <laughs> yeah, at least it wasn't time. at least it wasn't James at least it wasn't James Corden and a baby. Ugh. Anyway, uh, have, um, have you decided Joey, on a yet? Am I allowed to give it a nine point seven five? Oh, oh, for fuck's oh. sake. Seriously? I love it. Okay, I, it I didn't bits, report you to the ca- I, I do have my little nitpicks with it, so I can't give it a 10. Right. I didn't do this for fear, her, but Connor, I'm reporting you to the cancel! <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, I'm going to try to do this as quick as possible because Jesus' podcast is long. Let's do uh, <laughs> rankings from worst to best. I'll go first. I'm going to go Fear Her, Idiot's Lantern, New Earth, Tooth and Claw, Love and Monsters, Rise of the Sovereign Age of Steel, Army of Ghosts, Doomsday, Christmas Invasion, The Girl in the Fireplace, Score Reunion, and The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Who would like to go next? I'll go next. Okay. Go ahead. My worst, my worst is, is Fear Her. Then Idiot's Lantern, then Love and Monsters, then New Earth, then Army of Ghosts, Doomsday, then Rise of the Sidemen, Age of Steel, then School Reunion, then Christmas Invasion, then Tooth and Claw, Girl in the Fireplace, and Impossible Planet Satan Pit is the best one. And solid. All right. Uh, Connor or Dylan, who would like to go next? Well, I'll let Connor go last so he can nut over this. Um, so <laughs> I'm just. I'm... I'm doing this in order of what I enjoyed rather than like what the ratings I gave because, you know, in the case of Fear Her, I gave the rating even though I kind of enjoy it. So the worst one definitely has to be The Idiot's Lantern, uh, then Fear Her, then Love and Monsters, then New Earth, then Tooth and Claw, um, then The Christmas Invasion, then uh, The Army Ghost Doomsday, then girl in the fireplace no then school reunion but put school reunion before army ghost doomsday then girl in the fireplace then rise of Age of steel then impossible planet satan pit rise of Age of steel at the at like second best seriously oh oh yeah easily i mean Jeez. dylan's not two stories i really series, like to be honest i uh, i don't like the series like those, those two though like, funnily enough on that um, video you on recently you met you put it in sixth place <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't like series two at all. I mean, because even in the episodes I like, Rose brings it down. Yeah, that's that's the same with me. There's, there's there's a reason why I never there's a reason why I never come back to this one or rarely ever do. For me, there's only one episode so that Rose annoying. brings it down for me. Oh, no, right, she's so and... annoying every episode. And Connor, your ratings from least favorite to favorite. All right, Idiot's Lantern at the bottom, definitely. Then fear her. Uh, then New Earth, then Tooth and Claw, uh, then The Christmas Invasion, then Rise of the Sidemen and the Age of Steel, then Love and Monsters, then School Reunion, then Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, then The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, and at the top, The Girl in the Fireplace. Huh. Right. I'm, I'm surprised I'm the only one that has a School Reunion in the top two. Hm. I thought you would at least have it there, Connor. Huh. Well, Surprising. I like... I like Girl in the Fireplace, Impossible Planet, Satan Pit, and Army of Ghosts Doomsday more than it. So, all right, fair enough. All right, uh, let's do plugs really quick. Uh, Connor, what, what would you like to plug? Uh, Genesis of Andrazani YouTube channel, uh, uh, Twitter.com slash Gandrazani, Patreon.com slash Genesis of Andrazani. It's all there. Awesome. Uh, Dylan, any plugs other than your ass? Uh, so yeah, you can check out my channel, and instead of giving it his Patreon, just come round to my house, uh, give me a fiver, <laughs> I'll give you a pint, and then we'll just get drunk. It'll be fun. <laughs> I I would really like it if that was an actual offer, like uh, on a Patreon page, Dylan. Just like actually just come over, fiver. Yeah, pint. just just sure. anybody who has, that, has a fiver. It, match, it matches your aesthetic. It matches your aesthetic. Uh, Zach, anything <laughs> to plug? Okay, um, the only thing I could really plug is, well, I'm currently going with, now that I have Disney+, Plus, I'm currently going through every single main Disney movie, Disney movie on there and putting and putting reviews up on Instagram. So if you want to ch- check them out, go ahead. Or if you don't, you can just come here and join me. Be absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, you know, and quick plugs for this. Ch- oh, what's up, Connor? You were about to say I was something? just going to say, Dylan, you, you say, I'll oh, come around and get drunk and pull out Series 2, Volume 5, and be like, with a fear, her army goes dim. They'd be like, this will really squeeze your lemons. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, if you like, come like around, you Connor, I will squeeze five. your lemons any day. You're I'll fond of you me. You're fond of me lemons, aren't you, Dylan? <laughs> tie you to a chair, so, make you watch Davy's stories on loop. Let uh, Neptune right. strike you so, dead, uh, Davies. Oh, right. quick plugs for this channel. Uh, novel adaptations uh, coming up later this month. We got the trailer for Warhead, and Warhead uh, does a three-part release next month. Uh, we also just recently cast the Scales of Injustice. That's not going to be re- be releasing until the end of this year because it's a really fucking long story. Uh, but before that, we have Witchmark coming out. I think it's coming out in August, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at my schedule right now. It's coming out around then. Social podcast, of course, is going to be c- continuing monthly. Wait, for is the rest Warhead of the or Witchmark first? Warheads first, then Witchmark. Okay. When's Warhead coming out? Warhead's com- coming out next month. Okay. It'll yeah. be coming out some... Yeah, Witchmark coming out sometime from Inspector Stevens. Yes, I love your performance in that one, Zach. Thank you, ve- um, thank you very much, sir. And I- yours, Connor. I adore you. <laughs> Which one? Warhead or Witchmark? Uh, Witchmark. Emrys Hughes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, Emrys Hughes. You're me, Emrys Hughes, then. <laughs> um all right so then uh uh fuck, what else uh the commentary is coming out for the rest of, for the rest of the year um ah uh, shit what else i'm blanking uh oh yeah love and war audiobook that's gonna be continuing release it's 18 chapters overall so i think i'll be done around like august september-ish around there so uh that'll be good and what else uh what the hell doing here didn't you read the signs trespassers will be shot <laughs> Which mark is going to be a wild ride to edit? I'm so looking forward. To I'll, be, I'll be I'll be recording my I'll be recording my scales of injustice lines at some point. I'm gonna rewatch I'm gonna rewatch the stories with my characters in just to get the feel of them once more. But it's gonna be fun. Excellent, All right, boy. All right, you better so, not say anything. Uh, mark my words. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you all for coming on. This has been a ridiculously long but really fun podcast. Had yeah. a ton of fun with this. I hope you all had fun listening to this. All the viewers and or listeners. Should I say viewers or listeners? I don't know. What do you think? Because like they're videos, but it's a podcast. Um, so, um, listeners coming soon. Right, so from any this. of any of the any of your videos where you see my face, they're viewers when my face isn't on. Listeners. <laughs> I'm gonna begin this with a with a clip of you come, walking into the Castro Alva theme. Oh yeah, when I slap that chair, they're intense views. <laughs> how about just, just oh, how about just have how about just have a gif how about just have a gif of the absorbal off running and have that just on loop the entire time. I tell you what, Castro oh, Alva yes, would be better if it had Lord Slar and the absorbal off in it rather than <laughs> a Tegan and Nissa. And on Somebody that note, oh, edit me in, in the Castro Alva walking in. On that god-awful note, I'm going to end this podcast right now before it gets any worse. Thank you all so much for listening to this special podcast. I'll see you all next time. Goodbye!
like egg salad to make it so make it actually sound like excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say it in that, you have to say it like Wario. Excellent. <laughs> or David. Or David Banks. Wario. Hate or David Wario. Banks. Excellent. Hey, what did Wario ever do to you, Connor? <laughs> Wario always, always wins Mario Kart by default. Oh, no, I missed. Take <laughs> All right. Uh, fuck. All right. Here we go. Ah.